Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Glory, 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 Tottenham Hotspur. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Ricky Sachs, Jamie Brand, and John Wenham. I'm very glad to say. In what is a new regular, the last word on Spurs is here on Love Sport for two hours every Thursday. I'm very excited. I am, genuinely. And uh, this is going to be a very special show. And there's lots to discuss uh, because it's been a big summer for Spurs. Now, you are coming off the back of a European final. You're entering the first full year at a brand new stadium. You've broken your transfer record. You've got another star potentially on the way. Ricky's already smiling the way I'm talking it up. (laughs) We've got two hours to go. Let's not get too excited yet. But Spurs played... United today. It was meant to be a pre-season friendly, but I watched it and I thought, the Premier League ain't kicked off already, has it? Because this feels very unfriendly to me. And the challenges, they were quite feisty. I want to get all your opinions on that. But firstly, Ricky, what happened to Davies United? It's, it's a friendly. This is all about building minutes for the players. I'm not going to look too much about the result. What's great to see is the competitive edges there. And we've already seen Maurizio come out and had to apologise for some of the players' aggression. But I've got no problem with that. It's great to see that's there because that's what this Spurs team, I think, have been made up of the last couple of years. The fact of having that aggression, wanting to win every game, despite if it's a pre-season friendly or it's a competitive fixture. And, you know, I loved Harry Kane's reaction today. I mean, mm. take the result to one side for a second. Harry Kane's reaction when he got pushed, yeah. the way he reacted... For me, he's going to be a future captain of this football club. Won't be too long, I don't think. Harry Kane is a leader, and he does on the field, protects his own players. And, you know, the result to some degree, it, it, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a worrying thing, the result, because it's all about the players building minutes. But what it does tell me, which I think we all know already, is that the squad still needs improvement. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't been shy in saying that. Of course, we've got a wonderful signing over the line in Undenbele, who I think is going to be brilliant for that midfield. But... It is alarming in the fullback area at the moment, and I'm sure we'll come on to that in the show and discuss the transfers and maybe the lack of them since Ndombele and Jack Clark. So there's work to do, but I mean, it's pre season. I'm not going to get too carried away with the result at the moment. 
Well, let's talk about that, Friendly, then. John, I want to ask you, you just touched upon it there, Ricky, about Harry Kane. And the first thing we do now, don't we? We check social media when the game's going on. There was a few fouls. I've read what people were tweeting there. But the other tweets, everyone just loves Harry Kane, all the Spurs fans, because he's a born leader. When will he be captain of this club? Yeah, it won't be too long. I mean, we've got a real loyalty to Hugo Lloris. He's stuck mm. with us through difficult times. I think he's on his sixth, seventh, eighth season now. Um, so he's been a fine captain for us. Captain France the World Cup last summer. I know he's very close with Pochettino and the big wigs at Tottenham, your Levies. So um, when Lloris moves on, Kane naturally will take over the armband. But he is a leader for us on the pitch in any event. You see the way the players rally around him. I know that Lloris is quite a quiet guy away from football, spends a lot of time with his family, whereas Kane is, wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, you get what you, what you see with him. Um, so his time will come, no doubt about that. All right, so his time's coming. Lloris, you do have a loyalty to him. He has stayed with you. Lloris wasn't planned today. The first goal, Gazinga, he was at fault for that goal. That was poor goalkeeping, surely. Yeah, it was It was disappointing, but I think, as, as we all know, that... Lloris is clearly number one. I think it was kind of like disputes whether Gazaniga might come in partway through the season, but I think it shows that that Lloris is definitely the number one still at Spurs. And um, yeah, it'll be good to have him back. Let's talk about the challenges then. We'll start with Sissoko. I've heard lots of different things. Some people saying mistake, no intent. I'm going to throw it out there, not just to to get us at like give you a bite already. I did think it, there was intent there and it was deliberate. Do you agree? Yeah, there was intent there. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> really? No, listen. You can't say that, Rick. Nah, all joking aside, it wasn't a great tackle. Mm. Um, and in pre-season, it, it was a bit strong. Yeah. But, you know, players are off the pace in pre-season. They're not up to 100% sharpness. And this sounds really bad. I hope the player's not injured. Of course, I wouldn't want to wish any injury on any player. But almost you want to ensure that he's going to be sharp when the Premier League season starts. So if he's going to do those kind of things, of course, not to the detriment of the player, not to injure the opposition. You'd rather he get that out of his system now rather than day mm. one in the Premier League where it might cost us and he does get a red card. Yeah. So in a way, I hope, you know, that's a lesson learned to some degree. I mean, Maurizio, you can see already by his comments after the game, he wasn't too impressed. He's come out and had to apologise to Man United. So he mm. wouldn't have done that unless he felt there was a need to. It is only a pre-season friendly. There shouldn't be, you know, challenges going of that nature. Yes, it was most certainly a foul. Yeah, at least a caution. He could have gone off for the tackle. But at the same time, what I would say is look at the one after that and the retaliation from Pereira. That's not right either. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right though. Spurs definitely started it. And can we, it's a stamp. It wasn't a late challenge. Can we excuse that with, oh, it's a pre-match season, you know, he wasn't there, he's not quite sharp yet. No, I'd say no. I mean, these players all know each other very well. You shouldn't go into any game trying to injure or take out an opposition player. What I will say is there's been some bad blood brewing between the players at Spurs and Man United for a couple of seasons now. Mm. I remember Eric Dyer was involved in a big fracas with Ander Herrera. That led on to a, in the Cup semi-final a couple of years back. So there's some bad blood brewing with, you know, with the players there. Um, but no, you never want to see that in football. I want to touch upon this little rivalry between Spurs and United at the minute because for some reason it just seems United, not that they've got Spurs' number, but they are in their faces. I remember when United done Spurs at Wembley last year and Spurs had about 9 million shots and uh, De Gea <laughs> saved them, but what, they just seem to get rattle them and get in their faces. Why is this? Yeah, they, 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 they've got those sort of competitive players that really get up for it on their days. So Jesse Lingard, Paul Pogba, Emmanuel Matic. Mm. Um, but let's not forget we went up to Old Trafford in August they couldn't get near us. We wiped the floor of them 3-0. It could have been more. Um, so when we are on top form, I think we're a better technical side than United. If they let us get into that level, maybe that's why they do it. They want to draw us level with them. Ability-wise, we've got far better players than Manchester United at the moment. Mm. I well, think also today, like it was very, Spurs put a very mix and match of always chopping and changing between the younger kids. I think United had two fixed teams, which probably helped them on the day. So 
the result for me doesn't worry. It doesn't really worry. You know, it does, I'm not worried about it. I think there were some plenty of very good individual performances. Yeah, so agree, yeah. I think that's all we look as a positive. Last thing on on the result. The, the back four we ended the game with had three youth players effectively yeah. at playing out positions. Well, Harvey White was at left back, uh, George Marsh, uh, Jaffet Tanganga. So we, we finished the game with a real young back four compared to United who finished the game with Rashford, Lingard on. Mm. The result looked like it may have gone that way just because of the strength and experience United had on the pitch at the end. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's why the result went the way it did but am I disheartened no it's pre-season game two we've already had a big win against Juve I was a little worried with our pre-season schedule the sort of clubs we were playing it was Juventus Man United Real Madrid Bayern Munich or Fenerbahce and Inter we, you can go into the season having not won a pre-season game so to get that win against Juve for confidence moving into the season, positive press was vitally important. Well, we are going to come on to that Juventus game because I have to talk about that Harry Kane goal, which was absolutely mustard. <laughs> but we've talked about Harry Kane becoming a leader then and Sissoko's challenge. What about Deli Ali's challenge? Because I'm just a little bit concerned, a little bit worried. He's not maturing yet. He's still There still seems a little bit of an attitude problem. Is that correct? No, Charles, I think on this one with Delhi, I think he's shown a lot more maturity over the last year or so. I think he's grown as a player. I mm. think there was a lot of criticism of him last season. And people don't take into account the amount of games he played, number one. Number two, he was playing a lot more of a deeper role last season for Spurs. It wasn't his greatest season. Mm. He's a young kid. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of press he had when he went out, and obviously had a bit of a boozy night. But he's young. I think we've got to allow the players to some degree to live their lives a little bit. He's a human being, and you know, at his age, he should be going out having a good time. Yes, he's a footballer. Yes, he has to res- respect the fact that, you know people pay to watch him. But also, there's the human element there. You have to allow the guy to have that side to him in his life because you can't just keep him. Sh- you can't shut him away from it. You know, he's still he's got to go out there. He's got to experience what life is like. And on the field, I think he's going to improve as a player. I mean, of course, maturity-wise, I think it's grown a huge amount than what it was a couple of years ago. So that's not a massive concern for me. What I want to see from Dele is obviously more goals to his game, um, obviously building more of the play. But I think a lot of that to do with was because he was playing a lot more yeah. of a withdrawn role last season. I think he is better suited Delhi when he's a lot further forward. And I thought he didn't have that chance last season, John. Yeah, what's interesting is with the signing of Tango Ndombele, I feel like Ali is going to have a season like he did his first season with Spurs when he got 18 goals. Ndombele is going to sit back, soak the pressure, along yeah. with Winks, passing the ball around, playing the ball, Sissoko carrying the ball forward. And Ndombele can do that as well. This will free up Ali to play right behind Kane, um, and chip in with many more goals. He loves getting into the box, those near post or far post headers. I mean, he's just perfect at it. His runs are amazing into the box. And I expect with the signings we've made, it will allow Ali to push on more. Whereas last season, we've had a few injuries. He's had to come back deep quite a lot, play more as an eight rather than a 10. I, and, it, and also, if Ericsson were to leave, I actually think, despite whoever we might sign, Ali would actually play as a 10 um, because of his scoring ability and proven Premier League experience. Mm. Just quickly, you said that you're not concerned about Delhi. There is this human element, and we've seen it with Lingard. There's been a social media storm. Man United fans weren't too happy. It's kind of the same thing. They've got to find their feet. But when do we draw the line? When do we stop giving them that pass? They have to grow up sooner or later. And what about when it will cost Spurs in those vital, vital moments? You know, he quickly loses his head, and it might cost Spurs a game. Uh, to be to be honest, I, I do feel as though he has matured, and I, I honestly do think he's now past that. Um, for me, I'm really looking forward to seeing Deli Ali this season. He's kind of the guy that I've tipped to be our, one of our players of the season. Um, now, I think one one key thing for Spurs this year with Deli Ali is that he's he's had a full pre-season. I mean, he's had played so many um, international tournaments over recent years, which has stopped him from maybe coming back at, at, uh, for a whole full pre-season. So having that, and I think that caused some of the injuries last year with the World Cup and not really having a rest. So if Deli Ali can have a consistent season next year, I think he will have a season like he had in his first year. 
All right, well, let's talk about the Juventus game just very quickly because I watched it. I saw, I, I've watched the goal, honestly, about 500 times. <laughs> I've heard some people say it doesn't count because it's pre-season. I think that's absolute nonsense. A goal of that technical ability should be applauded. I think it's mm. absolutely fantastic. I came one it back, saw the keeper off the line. The accuracy is off the charts. Yeah, and the way he just left Chesney in that goal. <laughs> it's brilliant. Ex-Arsenal keeper, obviously. I like it. <laughs> I, I, do you know what the thing with, obviously, the goal is? I mean, Kane's already said it's one of the best of his career. So he, he rates it, but he just says it's a shame it wasn't in the Premier League or in the Champions League because he would have loved it to count in a competitive fixture and he's challenged himself now to go and do that. Can he do it in you know a game with obviously a lot more riding on it, a Champions League or a Premier League game? Um, that goal was incredible. And it, the mm. way, the timing of it, it, it was fantastic. And it's a shame because in pre-season, and that sounds silly, you kind of, players are mocked for celebrating, but when you score a goal like that, I don't care what level it is, you've got, to, you've got to celebrate it. You've got to. It was a winner. It was against Juventus. I'm saying go for it all the way. Does pre-season games then in the wins really matter? Well, I think the nice thing about this International Champions Cup is it has given that real wedge. So it kind of, I think today, um, although it's a defeat, I think it's massive for the players in terms of that'll be, you know, that will get them so much further forward in terms of um, where they are uh, pre-season. So I think it's great that there's, there's like this competitive edge to these friendlies. Yeah, the International Champions Cup's been a real benefit actually for all of the top 20 sort of 30 mm. or 30 clubs here across uh, Europe. I mean, it gives a competitive edge. There's great financial rewards for the clubs involved. Yeah. It brings lots of fan attention. Um, it, it, I do miss the old days of going down to Leighton Orient or Colchester for a friendly. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I, that's me. But um, I appreciate that for the level of the, the club, it builds its stature, support around the world and rewards those international fans. I think it's a great idea. What I've got to say, and the boys will be, I'm sure, agreeing with me here, there was the pre-season and the one-day Ramos where he won every single pre-season game. Yeah. I think 5-1 against Roma at what Art Lane, oh, David yeah. Bentley David free Bentley, kick, yes. and we're all getting carried away. Believe we're going to an amazing season. And Harry's famous clients, you know, two points from eight games, boys. That's to come in and save the season. <laughs> so that tells you you can't read too much no. into pre-season. But I do agree with what John says that it is important when you look at the teams we're going to face. You want to get at least a couple of wins on there, just so confidence-wise. You don't feel like you're going into the season on the back of you know quite a few defeats. Well, don't worry about those few defeats because they're not playing their first eleven yet. Their star players are still to come. Love Sports. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Ricky Sachs, John Wenham, and Jamie Brandt. And I'm delighted to say we're going to talk transfers now. And we've been joined online already by Shuban, who wants to talk about Fernando Loriente. Shuban, you there? Hiya, you're right. Yeah, how are you? Are you? I'm hoping you're going to give us a big development on Loriente. Well, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't development. I'm not actually saying. I leave that stuff to Ricky and all that kind of stuff. All the other guys. No, basically, my question was basically, do you think we should try and re-sign him? Because I know we like to try and play the Spurs way, you know, but sometimes it's really good to have a big guy to hit long to. And, you know, Lando came up with the goods quite a few times this season. So, yeah, I mean, I know if you saw Troy Parrott, was it, you know, people are talking about him and he's a good kid, but he's only 17 and maybe we should try and keep Lando for a year or, or you're even, if you're very desperate, even look to Andy Carroll because... So it's always good to have that big guy to head it to. Hi, Shubin. Thanks for calling the show. It's John here. Um, on Fernando Lorente, I mean, he was fantastic for us the second half of last season. I must mention on the pod last week that up until uh, January, I remember the Fulham away game when he put in a Gregor's Raziak-esque performance. Uh, I wanted him gone. You know, I never wanted to see him in a Spurs shirt again, but he really redeemed himself. Those big performances against Dortmund, um, Ajax, you know, so he was, he was great. The, the issue was, was the 100 grand a week. It is too much for somebody who's, you know, in his later years, has not got much mobility and he's left as good as a last 10, 12-minute substitute. But it's just too much money on 100 grand. So I see why the club have let the contract expire. 
And, and now I've said to him, look, if you can go out and get 100 grand, you know, we'll let you go. You've been a great servant for us the last two seasons. Mm. If you can't, there is an offer on the table. Yeah. We don't know what the, the numbers are involved in that, but I imagine it's probably half. I think that's fair to say, probably about £50,000. Is he worth it on the 50000 I'd say yes as a third choice. I wouldn't like to see Troy Parrott's minutes, though, diminished by Fernando re-signing. I think we've seen in the two pre-season games, Troy's been fantastic mm. and great strength. is only a number, um, and, and I think if we can develop Troy and get him involved learning from Harry Kane every day, I think that's just such an opportunity to develop two fantastic young strikers. Cool. I mean, like, I'm going to go the fact that, obviously, against Barcelona, I think it was at Barcelona or Inter, I think, the time the game was, and even against City, I don't care what team it is. Even I'm sure even Brazil, even the best Ajax teams would like to hit it big. You know, hit it to to big guy. I mean, you remember years ago, I think against Barcelona played Chelsea, and they've yeah. done you know for that game at Costa, they just mm. didn't have anyone big to aim it towards. And Shoot. it was all nice. It's all it's all very nice to have that pretty football. But sometimes you have to go old-fashioned Wimbledon style. Nando gives us that gives gives us that option. So, yeah. Shubin, Tottenham are in the strongest position they've been in, in for years. You know, new stadium, they've just reached the European Cup final. Bell could be on his way back. They've just broken their transfer record signing. Were you being genuine when you said then you want Andy Carroll maybe at Spurs? No, I, I, I said if we're, if we're that desperate for a big lump, then we go for someone like him. But I'm just saying that, you know, if, if, you've, got half a, if you've got half a million in your back pocket to pay Gareth Bale, please, by all means, pay him. What uh, about, what about a swap think, deal maybe with Ericsson? You know what? You know, definitely. I think personally, people look at person the player that Bale has been the last two years. He's been injury prone. I don't know whether he's, he's still got that same desire. I think we should focus on the player that he is now, hmm. rather than the player he was, or we kind of you know roast him to remember him. Me personally, I I wouldn't want to bring someone like a Galactico into our team. I think we are the anti Galacticos, but you know, I, I trust in Poch. I trust in you know the chairman to. I made the best decision. It's got us, it's got us pretty well so far. So yeah. Well, Shubin, we really appreciate you calling into us here on the last word on Spurs on Lost Ball. He worried me there. I thought, you know, I was like getting excited early. He's been linked with Dybala. You've broke your transfer record <laughs> with Ndombele. I thought, he wants Andy Carroll yeah, to that, come. That would be, that be so awesome to go from yeah. Dybala to Andy Carroll in the space of a couple of days. But on the Dybala link, You never know. You never know, especially with this club, Charlie. You, know, you never know. You brought up Dybala there. I mean, I personally feel that potential transfer would be a smokescreen for Le Celso. I think Spurs are aware of the situation that with Le Celso, Betis aren't budging on their asking price. They're you know refusing to even consider that. And with that being the case, it does make sense for Spurs to go and explore other options. I don't see how Dybala could sign for Spurs, only due to the, the wages. I think the wages would be an issue. The transfer fee, again, that would, I believe, be another club record fee. Mm. Oh, we've only just broken that in a couple of weeks mm. for Ndombele. Therefore, I don't believe Spurs are looking to spend anywhere near the amount they, they spent on Ndombele full of Chelsea. So I can't see in this world, unless Daniel Levy is doing something completely out of out of touch, but he has come out and said you know, that he is looking to back Maurizio. He is going to give him more money, but it would be absolutely remarkable to start a season with Harry Kane yeah. and Dybala. When we've sat on this show a lot of times and said that Harry Kane is desperate for competition and you know we're trying to find someone that could maybe fit in... At, as opposed to Lorente, if you're going to bring in someone like Dybala, and I think he is a player that would actually genuinely believe in himself that he could challenge Harry Kane for that number nine spot. I mean, there's the argument they could play together as a fearsome cut of strikers, but I do believe in my heart of hearts, I think this is more of a smokescreen to try and get the Chelsea deal done because they're aware, Betis, that Spurs are really the only club in for the Chelsea he wants to join and therefore this will send... 
Betis a little bit on a, on a worry, the fact that Spurs are kind of sniffing around another player. And I think it will just mean that the Chelsea deal Bet- will be done sooner yeah. rather than later. Betis definitely have to sell. They're under pressure to sell now. They've got another deal lined up with a striker. Um, of course, they brought in Nabil Fekir. Um, they're a club that needs that, that this sort of money they need. So... Um, I think for it, it's just a case of Daniel Levy playing those games again in the transfer window. If it's not a game, though, if it's not cloak and dagger, <laughs> don't we have to pinch yourselves? You know, Spurs fans, you think we didn't spend no money in the transfer window last year. We've just broke our record. Now we're in for Dybala. I mean, it's a real pinch yourself moment. This is a player that done wonders for Juventus, great in the national side. I remember watching him in the, the Netflix documentary, Juventus First Team, and it was all about Dybala. He was the real poster boy until Ronaldo come. If you get him... How good is that for Spurs? You like really? This is where the club, how far we've come. And secondly, though, can he fit in Poch's system? Yeah, Dybala is an absolute top tier player. I mean, you're talking like world top fifty level player, full mm. international with Argentina. Eliminated us before in the Champions League, as yeah. we've all got bad memories of. <laughs> yeah. um, so, could we get him? Last night, I would have said no. This morning, there was some massive Spurs news that Spurs had signed a new uh, sponsorship deal with AIA worth a total of £320 million. It's a 15-year deal, mm. but I believe. Or eight-year deal, pardon me. Eight-year deal worth £40 million a year that brings us in line with Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool. Massive deal. Massive deal for the club. Money is there. Mm. Yeah, we've had a deal with Nike till 2033, so there's a lot of disposable income at the moment at Tottenham. Could we get it over the line? I think we could. Um, I, I don't think £80 million is that much. I believe he's on 120000 at Juventus. We've got top earners on 200 k so it's doable. Um, but do I agree with Ricky saying it's a smoke from Chelsea? Yes. I know that we know that Betis are desperate to sell. We know they've agreed uh, payments of Lyon for Nabil Fekir. So they are desperate to sell. The Premier League window shuts on the 8th of August and the Spanish window is open a lot longer. So there's a deadline on that. Will Tottenham let Le Chelso run down to the last minute? I believe they will. And I believe they'll get Le Chelso for far less than the 54 million we were initially quoted. I think he'll come at around 35 to 40 million due to the desperation to sell. Out of the names you've just mentioned, though, whoever you get, what an exciting time. They're not the names that you would have been linked with over past years. Well, we have got Adrian on the phone now. He's here. He's here to talk about transfer rumours. Adrian, it's all going off. Bal could be back. Ericsson could be going. We could see Dybala. Who do you want most? <laughs> Yeah, well, first good bit of news is Toby's buy clause ends tonight at midnight. Oh, I thought it like ended at five o'clock. Yeah, there's, like yeah. there, there's been some uh, reports that it did end at five today. It was a, a very reliable Premier League Belgium journalist uh, came out and said it was five pm. But to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think it really matters yeah. because I think he will. The, the clause is going to. We'll give you Adrian. It's a love spot exclusive, mate. He stays. Don't worry. <laughs> the, the, well, he stays for now. Let's not get too kind of weird. I mean, someone well, could come also, in. Ricky Dybala is apparently on 120k a week. Juve, and uh, the rumour I heard today was that Le Celso fee had been agreed at 54 million, and I don't know what that works out in euros. Hi, Adrian, it's John here. Thanks for calling the show again and taking part in the weekly Adrian's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on Dybala, I mean, as as you say, I heard the 120,000 as well, so that would be within our reach, um, you know, in our wage structure, and that could be doable. Le Celso, I think the fee will continue to come down week on week and day on day. We know what Levy's like with his history of negotiating with contracts. He'll even, you know, call up at the last minute and knock another 50 grand off. To me and you, that's a lot of money, but to, you know, these Premier League entities, it's not, near to nothing. So I, I do believe Le Celso, the fee will come right down, and it's exciting times for Tottenham, isn't it, Adrian? I mean, if you could choose out of one of the two, Dybala or Le Celso, who would you go for? Dybala. Yeah, mm. likewise, mate. You know, he's a top-level player. I don't think it's totally out of the question that we're linked with Dybala. I mean, I, I think I was watching one of Chris's videos, um, and he was and he brought up a quote that Pochettino said after the uh, after Dybala knocked us out the Champions League that you know he's he's a real top-level player. So I don't think it's totally out of the question. I think there's the Argentinian link as well. So you know, I think it's a transfer that Pochettino would possibly want. So. 
I think if it does happen, it will kind of be Ericsson maybe might be involved in going the opposite way to, to Juventus. So, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I think it's possible. Adrian, how excited are you, though? The, the, the amount of names you've been linked with, it just shows that... I'm very excited, but I thought... See, I've I'm, I'm, I'm always been a positive Spurs fan. I, I always believed that Levy would invest heavily hmm. this time around, you know. I mean, and don't forget, not all these uh, lump sums are paid up front, are they? They can be spread out over three years, you know, I mean, or whatever, with TV money, etc. No, but I'm very excited this season. I'm confident we're going to win silverware shortly. Uh, Adrian, how did they get over the line then? They were so close last year. You said they're going to win silverware. What is the little improvement they need to just get themselves over the line? I think they've already got the belief. I think they did tremendously well last year to get to that Champions League final. The belief is there. I mean... I think we've lost Adrian there. No worries. He, he said that you're going to win silverware. You're going to get over the line. He said it was about the belief. I want to go back to the, about the belief because I was speaking to Brian Jeeves uh, this week and he was talking a little bit about Gareth Bale and Tottenham. And he said, we don't want him. We don't want Gareth Bale. We don't want him at okay. Tottenham. I said, I'm really surprised at that yeah. because he's a former Spurs legend. He scored 102 goals for Real Madrid. He's a Champions League winner. Incredible goals in the finals against Atletico and Liverpool. How would you not want him? And I said, even if he is a bit part contributor, what he offers, he offers a wise head and a winning mentality to the younger guys, doesn't he? He's been, I mean, for me, he's been there, done it. We've discussed Bow at length on the last couple of shows. And if the opportunity is there for Spurs to get him, I would be taking it every day of the week. Listen, I know... Jay's point, we discussed it earlier in the week, that I know we're building a young squad, Bowers an older head, but a guy's coming in with, you know, all that abundance of winning. You know, he's won a lot of trophies, Champions Leagues, Spanish Cups. You've got a guy that's going to be coming into this team that the minute he comes on that pitch, if he was to sign for Tottenham, the adulation the fans would give him, he'd be worshipped. And he's not even won anything yet with Tottenham. And you look at the way he's being treated at Madrid with all those trophies he's won. I think if Spurs could get some kind of compromise where, you know, there'd be wages subsidised. You know, Daniel Levy's a clever man. Daniel Levy knows how to pull off a good deal. And I think if the option was there for Bale, he would make it happen. But maybe Gareth, you know, with the amount of money he's on it would mean more appealing to him maybe to go to China. That's, and it sounds mad, obviously, to us as supporters of football and whatever, but you know, it's about the money he'll go to China. If it's about the love and coming back to somewhere that you loved as a, as a player, Tottenham's the place to be. You know, we're just Champions League finalists. We're on the brink now of achieving something very, very special. And we've been sitting here, you know, over the course of the last couple of seasons when we spoke about Spurs going out of Cups, whether it's FA Cup, League Cup, or Premier League, where we've slipped up in certain games where you just felt you needed that wise head that's been there, done it, winning mentality players... Gareth's a winning mentality player. Yes, he's had an injury record, but Harry Kane, had, I think Lee said last week, he was out more games than Harry. He was out more games than Gareth Bale was last season. Mm. So you're talking about a guy that's got an extraordinary goal-scoring record. And you know, remember what Bale was like when he left Tottenham, how he won games single-handedly. Well, he's actually improved. He's improved as a player since he's left Tottenham. So how could you not want him back? I think he's exactly what Spurs are crying out for. Just that winning mentality, what he brings to those young guys. That's what they say. You only need to win one and then the floodgates are open, aren't they? But why is it then with Gareth Bale, ask you three, why do some people now say, oh, he's a little bit older, he's he's a little bit past it, father time's caught of him, he's lost that step of pace. When we say in your prime, in your peak, 28-29, he's only 30, he's not 35. I, I can't really understand it. For me, I'm kind of one of the, the guys that maybe would say no to to Gareth Bale, but I'd only say no because I feel as though Tottenham, it's really it's about building the team and, and that's the same with Pochettino. I think that all these players are building blocks. I think Dombele is a building block, a young player. Uh, Lichelso, Di, uh, Dybala even would perhaps be the right fit and I just don't feel as though Gareth Bale 
just given the, the, the fee that maybe command, I'm not sure if it's the most sensible idea going for a player of that age. I just... I'm kind of maybe against the transfer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with some of Jamie's points there, but I just think Gareth Bale is a world-class player. I mean, having him and Harry Kane up front, the size of them, two beasts up front, what they could do to you is crazy, you know? Um, I just think he's he's got a history of scoring big goals in big games. It'd rub off on the other players. We're talking about these youngsters coming through, your Troy Parrots, your Harvey Whites, you know, them looking at someone like Gareth Bale who's been out there, achieved everything, and then come back to Tottenham with the dream of doing it with Tottenham. That would be unbelievable. Another thing on Bale, he would also count as homegrown. We talk about all these squad rules. Mm. Very away, important, you've got John. someone there, a world-class talent yeah. who counts as one of your homegrowns. But yeah. also very important, FFP. But we, you can never have enough world-class players. We've been talking about players coming in. It's time to talk about how we trim the deadwood and get rid of a few players. Love sports. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Ricky Sachs, Jamie Brandt and John Wenham. We are talking about now players who could be on the way out. Spurs do need to trim a little bit of dead word if they're going to bring in one or two more star players. Let's start, though, with those wing-backs because we know it's an important position for you. Let's start with Danny Rose. What's really going on with Danny Rose at the minute? I love you're asking me this, Charlie, whilst Jason is in yet till 8 o'clock because he might go absolutely <laughs> ballistic when we talk about Danny Rose. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> I think all indications seem at the moment that Danny might leave the club. We know that Juventus and PSG are sniffing around him. There's been inquiries nothing has gone any further than that but I think all indications seem to be that Danny Rose will be on his way and it seems like Ryan Sessignon is going to be the man that's going to be coming in to fill his boots I am really worried about the fullback area I mean I know they I said earlier today you shouldn't worry too much about the result but again it kind of leads back to my point that fullback wise we are not in a position where we're ready to start the Premier League season we're just not if you look at Spurs as a club I said like I've said consistently throughout this summer that we're going to find out if Spurs are ready to go from a top four team to actually try and generally challenge the title contenders in Man City, Liverpool. At the moment, I don't see that being the case. I don't see how we're going to challenge them. When you look at the fullbacks we've got on offer to Liverpool and Man City, it really does concern me. You know, we haven't greatly improved. If anything, we've weakened at the moment. We've lost Trippier, who, don't get me wrong, I was up for selling Trippier, depending who we're going to get in return. And with Danny Rose, again, he's our probably our best fullback at the club, I would say, Danny. And that's not mean, mean that Danny Rose is a world-class fullback. It's just that that's what we've got at the moment. We haven't got world-class fullbacks. You know, you'd probably say Jan Vertonghen is the best left-back at the club, apart from Danny Rose. Danny Rose is the, is the recognised left-back, but he looks like he's going to be on his way. And I think a lot of it is going to be during the next 10, 15 days what's left of the window is how are Spurs going to look at that area because it doesn't fill with the greatest of confidence going into next season. If you are going to let Rose go... And you're not going to replace him adequately. Cessing Young, the signing, excites me. I just think we may need more in that area, even though we've got Ben Davis. Yeah, on Rose is an interesting one. I mean, it's like we're giving him an opportunity now. We're saying, right, if you think you can go and do better than Tottenham Hotspur, Champions League finalist, let's see what you can get. And if you can't get anything, you're going to be reintegrated back into the squad. Pochettino's going to put his arm around you. We're going to say, Rose, let's go again. Do you think that, John, is it not a case that they're the ones forcing him out rather than they're saying to Danny, OK, you go and look? Yeah, I think, think? I think a lot of bad blood was at the club with the interview with the Sun, yeah. as we've talked about at length, um, and some other quotes that have come out from Danny. But um, there's got to be some respect for Danny there. You know, he's been our player for over 10 years. He's called mm. that goal against Arsenal. I'll never forget. He's got so much passion. He is our best fullback at the club. I don't think that's open for debate. 99% of Tottenham fans say, naturally, he is our best fullback. Yeah. Um, so to lose him would be a huge blow. Um, but personally, I still sort of think he's going to stay. I think the offer that's good enough for him isn't going to come in. Uh, I know there's rumours of PSG and Juve. Do I really see him going out there? He's a proper Yorkshire boy, Danny Rose. Whenever he gets a chance to go home, he does. Um, I, I personally, I don't, I don't think the right offer is going to come for Danny and he's going to end up staying. Well, we're talking a little bit about Rose. I know you said we're going to talk a little bit more about it later. Let's talk about Kieran Trippier then because 
to me, you know, let's remember the World Cup the year before, World Cup star, we thought, this is going to be England's right back for the next 10 years. It's going to be, you know, all the major tournaments. What happened last year? Where has this downfall come from? You might yeah. say you predicted it, you knew it was coming, it wasn't as good what they said, but from the outside perspective, me looking in, I thought, ah, oh, Trippy is world class, I can't wait for this. And then last season, he found himself at the England side, now he's been sold a year after that fi- uh, semi-final. I can't mm. really believe it. Well, look, one thing I think I've seen that Danny Rose, you know, lots of people get angry at him and I've seen people saying that maybe we didn't sell Trippier for enough and it does annoy me because all season long I was told that our weakest area, aside from maybe central midfield, was fullbacks. So, and I don't get why everyone's worrying now that they're, they're being sold. And so what it is, Jado, we haven't had any comments to show that we're looking to go and actively replace the true. ones that we're it's letting true. go. It's true, but if you look at their situations, I think Trippier is turning 29 next month. Danny Rose will be 30 next uh, next next summer. Uh, we have one year left in his contract and they're not going to be worth nearly as much. Mm. And if they're not actually that good, then bringing in 40, 40 odd million pounds combined for both of them, you know, I, I think that's good business because Pochettino, obviously, is a massive fan of, of fullbacks um, and has seen how important it was for Liverpool. Um, so I think that having that money, I do think eventually we will go for someone. But it, the one thing that does frustrate me a bit with Spurs fans is, you know, we always knew that fullbacks are our big weakness, and um, so I, I don't, I don't have any worries about sending. Do you think it'll be in this window though, Jay, that we do replace them? Because my concern is that it's all we're saying we're going to replace them eventually. But I feel like if they're not in place for the start of the season, mm. then we're already kind of behind where we need to be. By January, I think it's too late. The league might be gone already where you want to have your squad ready from the first day. And this is the problem with Tottenham, I feel, in the past with transfer windows. We improve certain areas, but when you look at collectively the whole squad, are we ready completely? The other thing I'd add is I was never expecting, I don't think any of us were, to complete... As I mentioned it, the Tottenham 2.0, that we need to rebuild this team. And I wasn't expecting in this window that we'd go out and um, address all the issues. I think we've we've massively addressed the central midfield issue with Ndombele. Couldn't have got anyone better for that. We're obviously looking around with other central midfielders, Le Celso, maybe Ryan Sessignon might cover in at left-back. So I think over time... That um, you know, and, and and as we said, I think we've said it before. No, with Danny Rose, I remember in 2014 when we offered him a new contract, absolute outrage. It's true, it's true. And then uh, Pochettino turned out to be an absolute revelation. And I think, as as Jason says, as I've said, you know, it's all about trusting and backing the manager. Well, Jamie, you mentioned there Tottenham 2.0. We know the manager likes to go for youth, likes to go for potential. Is this a a massive vote of confidence to Walker's Peters? And this is like it's time for the the new generation coming through. Personally, I actually think that Juan Fuif is going to be our starting right back. Yeah. He played the last four Copa America games for Argentina. Uh, Did he play it right back? Because he's a centre half. He, he naturally is a centre half, but Argentina yeah. have got him out of right back. He played a couple of games for us towards Poch the end of the season. Word. Poch had a word. <laughs> you know, he's in there. And I, I, think, I think we'll start the season with Fuif at the right back. A point on right backs available. There doesn't seem to be much out there at the moment. There was Max Ahrens who was heavily linked. I know David Pleat, who's a chief scout at Tottenham, was pushing you that. You can have Jenkinson if you want. Oh, we're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need someone to sell programmes. <laughs> um, He's yeah. available for Eva. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this issue, I don't think there's that much out there. We hear about Felix Atal, but obviously he's not tested in, in the Premier League or not that well known in European competition. What I would say to everyone listening is that look at Aaron Wambisaka. 18 months ago, he was not known, right? He came onto the scene. If we can go with what we've got now, you don't know what might develop around you in the next 6 to 12 months. And there might there be our perfect right back. He just isn't on the scene yet. 
the problem is, John, you're saying that they're not on the scene yet. And you, say you do get Sessegnon, does he have the experience yet to take Rose's place? And, you know, if Tottenham are going to go, let's say we're, we're title chasing now, we're not going for the top four, we're title chasing. Is Sessegnon ready for that step up? I mean, the evidence of last season with Fulham is no, but then you are working under a different manager in Maurizio Pochettino. He's known for developing mm. fullbacks. We saw the way he improved Carl Walker, Danny Rose when he first came on the scene, Ben Davis. So he has got that trait in him. I just do worry again. I, I hear what the boys are saying. You've got to back the manager. And I do back the manager to some degree, but also I, I do also look at the other teams around us, like the cities in Liverpool, and it worries me that just how far advanced their fullbacks are. And I want Spurs to be closer rather than further away from Liverpool and Man City. And whilst the signing of Undumbele, I can't really be too critical. It's a wonderful, wonderful player, but I just want the club lad to follow that up with improving the rest of the squad. It's all very well you're going to improve one area. And Jay's right, we didn't expect every single issue to be addressed in the summer. But you expected the areas of the most concern to be addressed. And rightly, central midfield was one, but so was the fullbacks. I don't think Spurs can allow the fullback area to be like this at the start of a Premier League season. If we genuinely, in our heart of hearts, want to see Spurs go and challenge for a Premier League, which I think we all want to. We've now established ourselves as top four contenders. We know that. We're in amongst it. You know, we're one of the teams that always, if you ask someone at the start of the season, who's going to be in the top four? I think 80% of people would say Tottenham, but we now want to change that. We now want to move forward and try and push for the title. And doing that, you have to have a squad capable to challenge Liverpool and City. And there's still work to be done. I think that's what let Spurs down last year because I would agree they're always going to be in the top four. Most fans would say that. I think the the European Cup run, as good as it was, it actually hampered you in the domestic league last year because two, three games a week, it's very hard to keep up. The first 11, if you're playing the same guys and you know your rotation, your depth is not quite there yet, you will get caught out at the tail end of the season, won't you? Yeah, I felt like towards the end of the season, actually, the only reason Chelsea finished above us was we had that Champions League and we had those semi-finals. The focus had gone, hadn't it? it had focus changed. had gone, but it's also the the energy and adrenaline you put into those sort of games, that Ajax game, you put more into that and coming back and the, you know what goes through your body and mind than you do in three or four Premier League games in a row. There was so much energy put into that that when you come around to these league games against tough sides like Everton at home, a prime example, last game of the season, it finished 2-2 that day. But had you know when we were fresh, we went up to Goodison and put six past them. So you know, that shows you the difference. I mean, we had our eyes on another prize at that yeah. time. That is why Chelsea managed to get closer to us in the points total. And Arsenal as well. We ended up finishing one point above us when we were 10 clear earlier in the season. So, um, yeah, I feel like being in multiple competitions, you do put a lot of eggs into one basket. And with the Champions League, that is the main goal. Well, we've been talking about how the European Cup, although it was good, might have hampered you in the league last year. Let's see how Tottenham are going to get on in the league next year. Love sport. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Lost Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Ricky Sachs, John Wenham, and Jamie Brown. Now, we've talked a little bit about preseason. Before we speak about the big kickoff, it's only two weeks away. You boys want to quickly talk about Janssen because somehow a team have managed to pay ten million to get him off your books and take him to Mexico. Only Daniel Levy could pull this <laughs> off. You know, Viva Mexico! <laughs> you, you made a joke in the break, Charlie. You know he's going there for spring break. You know, yes. Hopefully, spring break's been extended for twelve months or even further because I think that's a great bit of business for Tottenham and, and for the player. I think you know for him, I'm not going to be too critical. It didn't work out, but I do believe he gave absolutely everything. You know, when he did play, it's just a shame he wasn't more mobile. Th- mm. That's being the honest truth. I, when he came in, we all backed him. There was a massive amount of support for him to try and be the player to complement Harry Kane or as an alternative to Harry Kane. I think he was given a fair crack of the whip under Maurizio. There may have been an argument that he didn't play maybe enough, but I think in the games we saw him, it just wasn't ever going to work out. What do you think, John? Yeah, as Ricky said, I mean, he was limited. He had one good asset, which was his Beyonce bum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was great at holding up the ball. I always go back to that game at Swansea where he came on, the ball was whacked into him, he played in Sunny for, the, for a, an important winner. 
Um, but he was limited, you know, a couple of penalties here and there. He wasn't offering much else. He was losing headers. It was nothing was being, you know, bringing others into play. So moving him on and getting a fee for him, I thought with 12 months left on his contract, we were going to hear at the end of the window that we've just paid it up and he's gone for nothing or we've paid him a fee to go. So to get the reported six to 10 million that we're hearing, it's just fantastic business. And there's a few more that still have to go, but getting Vince out was a, a massive deal for the club. Yeah. We also got £5 million loan fee for him when he went out low last season. So, I mean, we, we've nearly recouped you know, the fee that we paid for him, which is just incredible. That is quite incredible, actually. They say in business then you have to you know, spend money to make money, speculate to accumulate. And Spurs, you know, they have made quite a bit in transfer uh, transfers in the past. Gareth Bell, obviously, notably the main one. But they wasn't spending all that great. Soldado, Janssen, now, though, we've just talked about how key the recruitment has been this summer. How much has it improved over the last few years? I think another thing as well is, that's been really positive is that we've got Pochettino's main targets. I think maybe Spons. someone like Janssen and, and Kudu were perhaps options that just arose. Um, they weren't necessarily guys that Pochettino had looked at and said, yes, I want him and I want him. I think they were just options that maybe you know look, that looked good at the time. So... I think that that's what's really going to be key this summer and hopefully the guy, new guys coming in will be um, will fit under Pochettino. Well, we are looking towards a new season. I just want to ask you boys very quickly, on the manager, you know, he had these comments before the Champions League final, if we win, I might leave. Now, you, unfortunately, you lost the final, now we stand. But is that a little bit concerning for the fans? Is it? Does he really want to be here? Doesn't he want to be here? Or has he already got his mind or eyes set on somewhere else? Because that can be a little bit frustrating and I'm not a Spurs fan myself, but I thought, that's a little bit annoying. I don't really know that. Is he thinking ahead for the next few years? I worried about it maybe 10 days after the final if he'd be here or not. Now I've got no concern. His head switched on mm. pre-season. Undumbele, for me, I think was the big key factor in him remaining at the football club. Go and deliver me my number one target. Like Jamie said, he has got to deliver his number one target. It's now about making sure you go and deliver the other players he wants for the start of the season. We need to get them over the line. We need to make sure he's happy. I've always said that, you know, Jason is about back the manager. I'm of the same kind of breed that I want to make sure Pochettino's happy and Daniel needs to keep him happy. So go and get the players that he wants to come in and... It'll be absolutely fine. I think he must feel from his comments that he says that there is more. Maybe it would be unfinished business to walk away now. We're, we're so close, I think, to glory, to winning trophies, that if the next guy came in and won the trophy in the first season, it would actually be so unfair on the work Maurizio has done here, John. Mm. Don't you agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, on Maurizio, the club have done everything to make him feel as comfortable as possible. I know he gets on very well with Daniel Levy. His eldest son has this summer been promoted to the first team squad as a sports scientist. His younger son signed his first pro two-year deal earlier this summer. Um, so he's now playing with the academy for next season. So they're doing everything possible. But back to your question, would how would have I felt if he'd left had we won the Champions League? To be honest with you, if you win that Champions League, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. You can go. Can you know, you've done absolutely everything for me, and you can go. And I would have just been a happy man. So, but surely, John, the journey doesn't end there. You know, you want to repeat it. You want to carry on this success. We've created this success. Almost the first one to do it. Mm. Let's build on it. Let's see how far we can go. Almost create a dynasty like Ferguson did. Why would he go? And I know you're saying, right, his eyes are on the job now. He's in. He's switched on. Ten days, you know, he's, he's still here. But will it only take one, not, I don't want to say big club, Spurs are up there, but, you know, like a, a Madrid or someone to come in in a suit and go, well, you know what? I was thinking about maybe going elsewhere. Here I am. I think Jamie will agree with me that he's had the options yeah. to go to Madrid, yeah, to go yeah. to Barcelona. You know, he's had been caught by all the top European clubs and he's remained loyal to Spurs when they weren't actually in the position that they're in now. He was actually in a worse off position. Mm. Now Spurs are attracting the big players. They have just come off the back of a season where they're Champions League finalists. For me now, the club are in a position where when other clubs are looking at them, we are now a big, big club. Yeah. We're a massive club to join. I don't care about Jabias mm. and about Saliba. That doesn't <clears> worry me. You know, we're mm. interested in players that we can sign for now. Not 
down the line 12 months or not a player that was on loan that we can't get an option to buy and we want players that can come in mm. and improve the first team now so I've got no doubt that Maurizio yeah. is fully committed to Tottenham he wants to finish off what he started and as I said it would be absolutely horrific if someone came in after him and won that trophy with all the hard work he's done he deserves more than anything to be the man to deliver success to Tottenham for what he started here yeah he's also look he's given us he's been here five years and he's putting so much hard work to get us where we are um he's obviously made it his own and I think that's what's so special in in terms of staying there because you don't want to end it um five years of hard work and creating something to to have nothing to show for it so I know that Maurizio will want to at least have something something special to show for for his work all right let's play devil's advocate you said that, you know, he stayed when he didn't have to when Spurs were in the worst position. He does get one more job offer, he takes it. Do you feel like, you know what, fair play to him, he's done a lot, or are you really annoyed that he does go? No, personally, he's done a lot for this club. He's given me my happiest memories as a Tottenham supporter. I've never been prouder. Um, that, that game in Madrid, I mean, it just had everything for me. Um, had we won, I can't even tell you how happy I would have been. Um, so he's given me lifetime memories, and I respect everything he's done. If he were to leave... I only think it would be to an absolute elite level top club and that would be a Real Madrid. I don't think he'd go to Barca due to the Espanyol links, but um, I don't even think he'd go for PSG. I think Real Madrid is the only club he'd go for, but he could have gone this summer and last summer. Discreet inquiries were made. Um, we know he's, his idol is Sir Alex Ferguson, away from the obvious targets you hear about. So he met him for dinner and that Man United job may be something that always looks him, but we are, we're doing better than Man United now. We've got better yeah. players. We're in the big competitions. So I would be gutted if he went. But I wouldn't hold it too much against him. I think he's just done so much for the club. I agree. I do think he's there to stay. And I think he should carry on and continue to build what he already has. Let's look at the season now then. We know how good it was. You did get top four. You did get to European Cup final. But we want more. It's not enough. How do you get over that line? How do you just break into that elite and finally win the trophy that you're crying out for? Well, I think we discussed about the squad, so I don't keep harping back to it. I think a lot of it is to do with the, the recruitment. We're going to see, obviously, in the next couple of weeks where we stand. One player I'm really excited to see about is someone that John will know really well in Troy Parrott, a youngster coming through the ranks. He looked excellent against Juve for the cameo we saw him in, and I've got really high hopes for him. I would love to see Spurs actually give this guy serious game time next season. I would rather them actually put all their efforts into giving Troy the promotion to the first team and maybe not giving Lorente a new deal. I'd rather... Troy get those minutes because from what I've seen from him I think he's got the potential to be a great little player and it's early days I know we have to keep ourselves on, you know, on guarded because it is such early but from what we've seen from him already John he does look like a fine player who's only going to get better with game time Yeah Troy is a serious prospect I mean they're already talking about calling up to the senior island squad which is crazy at someone who's you know 17 um, he's got so much his posture and his physique is just perfect for a young forward he's got a little bit of everything about him he can finish He's got strength, he's got power, he's got intelligent link-up play. He's got that sort of Teddy Sheringham style of seeing things before they happen. Um, I've watched a lot. I've watched him a lot, a lot of youth games, scored a lot of goals. I'm very, very excited about Troy. Yeah, my, yeah, definitely. I think it, and also he does. He would be that great backup option, and it's fantastic to have another one of our youth products coming through. Um, but back on on like what's going to be get us over the line this season. I think one massive thing uh, that, that that's happened for Spurs this year is that we've had Harry Kane, Deli Ali, Christian Eriksen. Um, the, all the key players coming back and they've all had that pre-season and I think that that's kind of as I mentioned I think that's what's caused so many of the injuries last year and caused players to maybe have an extra workload when they're to cover for for, uh, for other players' injuries so I think it's so key that, that we've had all the our main players having full pre-seasons and hopefully yeah they can and, and on the strikers as well I mean I'd have no problem if, if you know we've got, we've got young Troy coming through I hope he gets minutes I hope he gets cup games but we've also got 
Son and Lucas Moura, who have proved they score goals at the very, very top level. So I'm not really this thing of, oh, Tottenham have only got Harry Kane. It's just yeah. not true. Mm. I'm also under the impression, if it's possible, that Lucas Moura is a little bit underrated. Oh, I agree. I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. But I mean by Spurs. I think, yeah, I mean, to some degree, I think Spurs fans are starting to come around to the yeah. idea of just how good this guy can be. Yeah. Not necessarily the fans. I feel like he should be playing week in, week out. Yeah. I mean, Maurizio, it was well documented. When he didn't play in the Champions League final, I think even as supporters, we were disappointed for the player. Yeah. Because... Mm. To score a hat-trick yeah. in a semi-final and then to not play the final, when I think there was such a great clamouring for him to play it, I think was it was disappointing. Yeah. I, I would have personally would have started him for the game, but obviously it's over now, it's done with. I think for the upcoming season, I think you will see a lot more Lucas. Yeah. Uh, he's got the ability, as we saw, Old Trafford away. Yeah. You know, he yeah. took the game out of United's hands, completely tore up the script and you know, ripped them apart. We've seen the hat-trick yeah. um, in the new stadium. I think the guy's going to get better and better and better. I think he, oh, sorry. I think he had those two, he's had those two big moments now where he's got that connection with the fans because he had the moment after Huddersfield where he scored the hat-trick and he was obviously in front of, you know, with his young son in front of the uh, the home end. Um, and then, of course, he, you know, he had the, I think it was the moment after the Champions League semi-final where he scored the hat-trick and his name was announced that um, before the Everton game, it was a massive, massive cheer. So it kind of was like he's settled now. Um, and, and we saw it with Sun. You know, Sun took a while, took maybe a season and a bit to, to real settle in. And I think we've seen that with Lucas now. Yeah, Lucas is a really passionate player. I remember after the final win Madrid, I was actually sitting next to his dad and he was in the second row. And at the full time whistle, Lucas was in tears. You could see it meant a lot to him. Probably not starting, but also the emotion of not winning. He's got a real sort of winner's mentality. So I let him come over, have his hug with his dad first, and then I went in for the freeway nice family <laughs> hug. <laughs> you know, why not? I love how you gave him permission to hug his own yeah. dad there. It's really nice of you. What a considerate bloke you are, John. <laughs> oh, sorry, there. I really stopped your flow there, yeah, did no, no, no. That's great. And I, I just think Lucas this season, as, as Jamie's just said, I, I think he's going to be a bit like Sonny. He's going to really come on this season. And that's going to be a real threat for us. We're going to have. You know, you've got Lucas, Son, Ericsson if he stays, Ali, Kane, young Troy Parrott. There's a lot of goals there. Dybala, La Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, God, what a team we're going to have. Just before we end only the first hour of Spurs, we've still got one more hour to go. How important is it now that this season you are in your new home and it's a full season there? How much is that going to make a difference? Well, I think you look at the way we finished the season at White Hart Lane, unbeaten, and I've got a genuine belief that this team can actually go into that new stadium now full season and do exactly the same I, it was disappointing the way we ended the season at the new ground but I think new season start of a new journey mm. players I think it will make a massive difference having a pre-season where everyone's together yeah. no World Cup like Jay's touched upon I think the sky's the limit for the squad I, I just want to see as you can probably tell from this last hour what I keep on saying is just a couple of extra additions just to beast up the squad I'm looking for genuine players that are going to come in and improve the first team mm. not just to come in and sit on the bench I want to see players that are actually going to come in and improve that first eleven. So on the first day when we sit there and play Aston Villa, we are confident that as a team we're not going to be there just for top four. We're going to be looking to challenge Liverpool and Man City for the Premier League. Yeah, as Rick said, I mean, having that home fortress is just massive. Last year we played in three different stadiums. I mean, that is just unheard of. Mm. Um, so having that confidence the fans absolutely love the stadium I, mean, I even go around picking up rubbish just because I want to keep the place tidy but I absolutely love the gaff and everyone comes in there and they're so excited it's just, you can't compare it to Wembley I mean the fact that we did so well at Wembley is phenomenal and that's testament mm. to the players Pochettino and Daniel Levy but in our new home there is no excuses next season let's go for it let's be challenging Liverpool Man City yeah. and let's bring that title home baby that's exactly it I think no excuses We've, we're on a level playing field now we're going to have all our players ready and fit for the new season we're going to have the new stadium so I think there's plenty to look forward to well it's not only Spurs who have been making new additions because last word on Spurs they're bringing in three more guests in Love Sport 
You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show on Lost Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm delighted to say that it is glory, glory Tottenham Hotspur because I've been joined by Chris, Lee and Jamie. And I'm glad to say they're the first teamers. They're the elite because I've, apparently I've just had the backups you, in the first hour. 100% you've had the backups and now you've got the real deal. And we've got, got Jace, we've got the Oracle in the house. The Oracle. The Oracle. I love don't it. you worry about that. I don't think your headphones are working, sir, so you might I be better off, yeah, better off without them. But... Um, you are the elite. You can do without. I know you'll be able to. You'll be. Ma- you're not we making up the numbers. We can you're not making this, up the Charlie, numbers. Don't you yeah. worry about that. Well, so, uh, what have they been uh, waffling on about transfers? They just yeah, they've been waffling on about transfers. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to be honest been with you. Talking are. transfers. Yeah, he reckons that Spurs are signing every player under the sun. We signed a ladies player today, and it was the first player I've known Ricky never tweeted about. Uh, we had no if, idea we were we, signing that. If we actually went by Ricky and Jamie's tweets, we'd have signed about 700 That's players this summer. Exactly. Well, they actually told me that. They're not going to sign Dybala. They think it's a bit of a smokescreen. Do you agree with that? I, I kind of do, to be honest. I think that um, I think that there's some um, jiggery paper going around with maybe Christian Eriksen signing a new contract and maybe this sort of saying, well, actually, if you're going to leave us and we've got this guy that's come, might come in as a number 10 and, and whatever. Um, we've got the La Celso situation still going on as well, which again plays in a similar position. So I don't know, Chris, what do you think? But they, these are the sorts of players that we should be targeting. We should be spending huge amounts of money. We should be... S- targeting the, the best players in Europe. Mm. You know, we were, we were in the Champions League final. We're constantly top four. We need to be challenging for the, for the Premier League title and uh, we need to have players like this at the club. I yeah, for sure. I don't care who we're going to sign. I only care about who we exactly. do sign. Yeah. When we sign them, I'll talk about them. Before yeah. that, I'm not interested who we're going to sign. Mm. So until we're signed, sealed, delivered, that's when we can mention it. Exactly, because, you know, as we said, mockingly, but it's right. You get, every, I mean, not just Spurs, every club gets linked with how many players in a mm. transfer window mm. and you maybe sign three or four? Especially in a window, not, yeah. So where we get thirsty for, for transfer rumours, gossip. We want it all, don't we? We want to sign everyone under the sun. But, Jace, how, how, how many players do you think we're going to sign from today up until the 8th of August and how much money, roughly, do you think that we're going to spend? I'd say three more. Yeah. And I've always said I feel our net spend over the summer will be 80 million. Yeah, 80, 90 million. I think I think we're signing Lascelles. So I That's think we're signing Cessignon, including the money we've spent. Including yeah, the on money top spent. Yeah. I agree. What do you think? Well, it's not a lot, is it? Well, I, well, what? it's a lot more than you spent last year. You've gone from well, yeah. no window yeah, activity but, but, to like, signing players. Yeah, but I heard Ricky say earlier that um, you know, and I totally agree that we are a top four team constantly now. Um, Champions League. When you get to the Champions League final, you need to push on that little bit more. You need to spend the money. And as you've said, we didn't spend any money last year. We didn't spend any money for 500 days. We need to make this happen. And well, look, I mean, just to interact with you there, um, Daniel Levy come out, he's done a press conference today, he signed an absolute monster new sponsorship yeah. deal with AIA. More money. Was, uh, more money coming into the club. But he actually did come out and say in his press conference, now's the time to start to spend in money. But so, we've, got, we've got to And back, we are spending money. We've got to back Pochettino. He's, he's been at the club for, for, for five years. Yeah. And we now, you know, when is the right time to be challenging for the title it has to be now yeah I think sometimes though Chris people forget that we challenged in 2015-16 we challenged uh, two years after that as well with Chelsea with the Chelsea season that wasn't in his plan though was it no no it might not have been in his plan but we did challenge we were just further up the the, the project there I mentioned it Jace but uh, <laughs> I won't start singing listeners don't worry about that but we were further up the project than, than actually where um, where we thought we was meant to be so you know last season does really remind me a little bit of the season before for Liverpool whereby they kind 
kind of struggled to get over the line into that top four position, but they got to the Champions League final. You know, they made some stellar signings, you know, with Virgil van Dijk and then in the close, they got Alisson in and whatever, and it took them to another level. I think that's where we can be as well. We've we've got Ndombele in um, and we've got some these these names that we're linked with if, if they come in, that will definitely strengthen us. And, and, and actually, I think we are doing what, what, what you're saying that we should be doing. I think that's what we are doing. Surely then, you are so close. How do you just get over the line? Because you can't get much closer than you did last year. What is that final piece of the puzzle? Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> do you really think that though, genuinely? Because I think Spurs should be going out to get him. He's a Champions League winner, back-to-back, 102 goals for Madrid. He's a Spurs legend. He's too expensive and, he, and, and he's not a Pochettino-type player. I really don't think that he would fit into the... The Tottenham, the Tottenham way at the moment. I Could really he not don't. be I a think, wise head for younger players? Sorry, Jase. I think the dilemma that we have is that we have a, a manager, and I, I absolutely adore him, mm. and I, I want him to stay for as long as he can. But we have a manager that perhaps people talk about Tottenham need that 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 last piece to get a person mm. who's been there and done it. And with uh, most players like that comes the ego. And yet Pochettino doesn't seem to want that high ego type player. So how do you get a player that's been and done it, but doesn't have an ego? And then the other thing is people will say, but he's he's now he's past 30 and that. You're not going to find a player that's been there, done it at 22. That's what so I was, that's the point I was making last options. week. And I, yeah. I mean, even a Gareth Bale, if you think about it, I mean, I'd, I'd like us to go and sign him. But Pochettino wants to play pressing football and you'd have your star player that's perhaps now not capable of playing the Pochettino way. So it's there's your dilemma. It's, it's almost like the, the type of player we need, that last player, is completely an anti-Pochettino-style player. Yeah. And you just can't see Pochettino. Would he go for a Sergio Ramos or, or that type of... You know, that no, little, they're, they're, they'll, like nev- they'll never be these superstars he, he sign an Edgar under, under Pochettino? Like we did no, before. no. I, I don't know. I think that there's. I, I mentioned it last week. Just touched upon it last week. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson was an absolute master in bringing in that kind of that type of player, like that. Just one, Cantona. one or two. You know, Cantona is a Pochettino perfect example. Want anywhere near but, him. but but Pochettino's role models in in management and what he does and the respect that he has for other, one of them, as we know, and he famously a few years ago met him and had dinner with him, whatever, is Sir Alex Ferguson. So I don't know. Maybe there is an influence there. I think that when you're talking about Daniel Levy and you're talking about the club going to the next level I'm I, I do back the manager by the way Jace but the, the point being is that I'm I've got you know the emoji with the hearts in my eyes when we talk about Bale because I you know I think he was absolutely <laughs> outrageous for us and he's even better now than what he was when he left by the way but and so if Pochettino don't want to sign him then, then that's absolutely fine but it would be like a Van der Vaart moment it would be like a It'd be uh, huge, you know. It would be a- like a, a Van Persie moment for um, from from Arsenal to Man United, and then go and win the title. If he came back, I, I think we could win the league. So that's why I was bringing him up again. You mentioned there then that you were playing this pressing style. Would he not be the one player would get free license, creative license, to not take part in the pressing to start the pitch because you're going to go and win us the game? Uh, if he played on his own, possibly, <laughs> but then. <laughs> You're going to leave Kane out just for Bell. So you could be carrying Kane and Bell, neither of perhaps because of fitness wise now, would find it easy to press. Mm. So I can't see. And Pochettino for me, if you take pressing football away, that is real Pochettino football, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really so is. So you can't see him being a type of person fair. that says, no, no, we'll stand off and, and play it. So I think to me, I'd look at a Spurs side and think if Bell's in it, you can't have Bell and Kane in that side not playing Pochettino football. It won't work. 
So it's it's a really difficult one. But I'd love to sign Gareth Bale. But Mate, I, you, I see the problems in signing him. Well, you said the other day, Jace, can Gareth Bale still play left back? You know, we need a yeah, well, we, yeah. we need a left back. <laughs> we, do, <laughs> we do. Danny Rose is at home, isn't he? He's I, like I having a few sell beers. Danny Rose to bring Gareth Bale in at left back. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be covering Danny Rose and Kieran Trippier oh, in a little no. bit. But before we talk, <laughs> this is why I wanted to get into it. Before we've just been talking about Gareth Bale possibly returning to Spurs. One man who could be on his way to Madrid is Ericsson. I wasn't part of the show last week, mm. but we have had a WhatsApp in on the show, and it is for you, Lee. It says, Perfect. "Please, can you ask Lee why last week he was so cocky, cocky. about Ericsson? If he stayed." Will he sign a new contract? I don't get it. If you were his agent, would you advise him to sign or say, hang on, pal, wait till January and you can sign a pre-contract with anyone abroad and get the move to Madrid that you want then and be, not be priced out by Daniel? That is from Gav from Edmund. And Lee, what do you say to that? Yeah, nice one, Gav. Thanks for uh, putting me on the spot here. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, think last, I think last week what I was trying to say was that you know, if, if he hasn't got a move now... Then, then ultimately he will sign a new contract. I think that's what Gav's referring to. And 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 actually, if you take it from from Gav's point, maybe he won't. But I don't think that the club will ever let somebody leave on a free transfer after the Sol Campbell um, issue. I, I don't think that happens. So I think that we will move him out if he doesn't sign. If he if he's sitting there with his agent saying we're just going to wait till January, we're just going to let it run out, he will be gone. Because there's no way that we are going to let him go on a free transfer. So that's kind of where, where I, how I would um, respond to, to Gav's tweet. Also, I noticed on, on Gav's uh, WhatsApp, sorry, that uh, he thinks Ricky's doing some cheesy stuff. <laughs> what on Twitter? Ricky? No. Yeah, there was a few. Uh, an, another dig of Ricky. But Ricky's not here now, so I can't say it to his face. So I'll save it the till o- next week. The only thing with that is even... Even if that that principle's there, and Daniel Levy always said after after the, the other person the lock, left, it, yeah. it will never happen again. But you can't physically sell Ericsson where he doesn't want to go. So if the two clubs he wants to join say, "All right, we'll come back in twelve months when you're free," what do you do? That, you, maybe you that's what say, maybe that's what, what Gab's point is. To I'll tell be you fair, Ericsson, I've had a bid for seventy million, and it's from Napoli, and I'm taking it. But Ericsson says, "I don't want to go to Napoli." It's, a, diff- it's, it's, actually it's a really good point because you're saying you don't want the Sol Campbell thing to happen again but sure. it's, it's in the player's hands if he doesn't want to yeah, go yeah. Same with Toby, wait, and what do you do the same with Toby I've never seen Ericsson leaving this summer and I, I still think he'll be a Tottenham player at the start of the season but what about next contract? year mm. yeah I do I, I think he'll be, I'll be I think he'll stay no, but in 12 months time I think that's what you're saying yeah, you know, yeah. at the end of the season to come is he going to go into the 2021 season? As yeah, a but there, there's lots of players you could talk about. It depends what, what season we have, doesn't it? I mean, I, I said, didn't I? I? I always thought the way it would happen was he'd end up signing a deal with a release clause. And I thought that was what will probably happen this summer, that it will be in there if two clubs from Spain and maybe one yeah. from Italy come in, my release fee is 85 million quid, otherwise I'll sign the deal. From the last we heard, his representatives were saying there's going to be no deal. And yet, last week, Ricky's tweeting that he's about to sign a contract for 200 grand. I mean, I, I well, if Ricky can't said it, it, it must be it true. Must be true if Ricky said it. Another player whose clause did expire today, Toby Olderweireld, they said after five o'clock, the deadline had passed, he can't be got now for 25 million. Is you it after about, five? It's actually midnight. Oh, is, is it? it? Is it's it midnight, midnight? Yes. Well, we had someone on in the first hour, Sam, five. Is I it know. Five? It's, midnight. it's midnight. Chris Chris is in the nowhere. Well, I'm going to go with you, Chris, only because you are sitting next to me now. But <laughs> three in here earlier were adamant it was five o'clock. Well, the thing is, we're, to, we're talking off air before and thinking, hang on, why, maybe Arsenal might come in with a cheeky, like, 
little cheeky release clause meet at 10 to 12 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Just I'll know. be surprised. Why haven't more clubs come in well, for This him? is what we said. It's crazy. This is what we said. Why, I mean, why, why? Because it's in today's market. 25 million is an extortioner, is it? No. I've, I've said steal, lots mate. about him, but you, you can't deny the blokes. What, I've, I've said he's not a world-class defender. He's a top-class defender. But 25 million is a mid-table to bottom up. I mean, Lewis Dunk could probably cost you 25 40. million no, he's as 40. well. They're, they're Rumi, yeah. 40. Well, Dunk. Yeah. Lewis Dunk. Well, there you go. So if you could That's take Lewis Dunk for 40 or Toby for 25, why has nobody come in for him? It's it's astonishing. It's nobody. Weird. So uh, either the, the pay him whatever he wants mentality is, he's asking for half a million quid a week, in which case people think he ain't getting that, mate. Or there's there's something about him that they just think, nope, not quite for us. It's It's bizarre. The other thing about the release clause as well, Charlie, is that it, it's a release clause that a other club can meet. I don't mean to say that Toby's going to leave. Like, in exactly the same situation that we talked about with Ericsson, yeah. if, it, if a club comes in for him, like, reportedly like Roma, and he don't want to go, he won't go. So, so you know, if you know, a club from China come in or whoever else, if he don't want to go there, and the, the, thing, the brilliant thing, the positive thing about Tottenham now, and Ericsson said this, and I think Toby said this as well, is that there's a lot of clubs now that can't, compete on the level of where Spurs are at so you know most majority of clubs now is a step down I'm not talking about we're bigger than Man United or Arsenal I'm not talking about that but we are dining at the top table like I said last week so the reality is is most clubs now aren't as good or as a bigger challenge than what Tottenham Hotspur is. So, so it's, it's got to be a Bayern, a Juve, mm. a Madrid, that's what a Barcelona, and, and that's a your Paris point. they're not coming in for him are they? They're not coming of, in for him. Uh, how big of a club are we Regardless of that, there's no better time to be a Spurs player or a Spurs fan at this very minute, sure. is it? Surely this is the exciting. You've got a brand new stadium. You've reached the European Cup final. Let's be realistic. It doesn't really get much better than that, does it? Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're not European champions and we didn't hold the trophy up, but, you know, we've done everything else there, didn't we? Do you know what I mean? It's exciting times being a For Spurs sure. fan. It really is. Like you say, the the stadium, the, uh, the training facilities, you know, the players that we've got. That's why it's so frustrating. We are just a few players away from really challenging for the title. And that's that's why I hope that we spend a lot more money than you think, Jace, this, this summer. <laughs> well, when, when I said about 80, I'm thinking Trippier's gone for 20. We'll yeah. sell Ericsson for 60. We'll sell Toby for 25. And then we'll have... We'll yeah. have all of that plus eighty million, but those players haven't gone out the door. We yeah. got rid of we got what eight eighty five p for Vincent Jensen and a few stamps. <laughs> that was good business. That was good business. Yeah, great business. I don't know how you got ten million for him, but you did. But it is exciting times for Spurs. The season is just under two weeks away. We're going to be talking about players coming in, but also those wingers and those fullbacks who you lot are desperate to talk about. Oh. Love sports. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined by Lee, Jace, and Chris. And we are talking about players coming in, potentially. Mm. Bell, the Bahala, lots of good big <laughs> names coming in. But we are going to Epic. talking about a few players a little bit closer to home and ones who could be on their way out. We don't want to say look, we're trimming the deadwood, but you know, if Spurs do want to keep bringing in these big names, we're going to have to make room. We're going to have to make room as well, especially if you're going to make that homegrown can to can this year mm. in the Premier League. Let's talk a little bit about Danny Rose because it's been a bit of a strange one for Danny Rose last year. Lots of things said in the press. He didn't go on the tour, as Jace just said about when we was off air. He wants this move away. Does he even want to play football? He said he can't wait to retire. It's a very strange one. Chris, where do you stand on it all? I love Danny Rose as a player. Um, you know, the, the passion that comes from Danny Rose. You know, he is one of the, the first people I want to see on the team sheet. When we play the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea and so on, or even the big cup games, he is the first person I want to see because of his passion. He gets exactly what the fans uh, want and you know want from him. 
Um, but this whole thing the, the, this summer, I find very, very strange. The fact that Pochettino has reportedly said that he can sort himself out for a few weeks and if he wants to find another club, then do so. I find the whole thing bizarre. Um, the fact that, you know, why would a Tottenham Hotspur player, particularly Danny Rose, not want to be on that plane and say, no, 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 I'm getting on that plane. I play for Tottenham. I want to get on that plane and, you know, be part of the tour. Because pre-season is so, so important um, to be a part of that, you know, for the, for the forthcoming season. So I just find the whole situation crazy. I'm kind of the middle in between these two at the <laughs> we'll moment. Go through. Yeah, we'll go through because I'm I'm a little bit on the fence with Danny Rose. I, I agree with I echo what Chris was saying there about his passion, his enthusiasm, and, and for the club. But then it's almost counteracted because the thing is, right? We talked about this on the show last week. Potticino is very much an attitude-based manager. Okay, so he loves players that have got the right attitude, the right behaviours, the right elements around him and his football club. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have a massive squad because he likes to keep it, you know, uh, tight and uh, and, and around that, that uh, attitude and things. And there must be an issue with Danny Rose's attitude. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it that because for him coming out and saying the must things be, that he's yeah. done in the in the press, he did it a couple of seasons ago as well. I don't think that's ever got over it. I think that he's seen one of his mates from Carl Walker go to Man City, 50 million, win a couple of Premier Leagues and do all that stuff and probably earn three times the amount of money that Danny's earning. And his form... I know it was an injury as well two seasons ago, but he had, he had some bad form uh, uh, coincided with the bad injuries as well. And that kind of 50 million move for him never transpired. And it, I don't think he's ever got over that, maybe. Maybe that's the, the, the reality. So therefore, there's an attitude thing. And actually, last year, we didn't make any signs, as we all know, but maybe we've kept a Danny Rose because we couldn't get rid of him. We already know from the press, and he's already come out and said, that last year uh, he was talking to a club that talked about his mentality, and that's why he didn't, he, he didn't move forward with it. So he was talking to clubs last year, like last season, and that's never transpired. So, so maybe Poch has looked at that and gone, you don't want a beer, I don't want you here. So off, off, off your trot. But, you know, if you come back with a clean slate, like he did last season, and with a Toby as well, then I'll give you an opportunity. And that's, that's Potticino's uh, way, I think. I think the other thing that, that, that I just want to mention on, on the whole Danny Rose thing is, in the when he was really good, and everyone knows that season, the Leicester season when he was amazing, he was like Poch's like you know um, son, wasn't he? He was teacher's like, pet, he was teacher's he? pet, wasn't he? He was, he was like the favourite. He was amazing, and that relationship is definitely soured for sure. Yeah. So I'm on the fence. I do like Danny Rose. I think he's I think he's a good player. My you know is he the best left back in the world? No. Um, is Ryan Sessegnon better than him? And a Davis Sessegnon versus Rose Sessegnon? That's up in the air. We don't know. Sessegnon had a not a great season last year, but if we sign him 18 and we do, we get the fullback whisper around him like Poch, then maybe he could be fantastic and, and off you go, Danny. But that's kind of why I'm on the fence. What do you think, Jace? Well, people probably expect to think I, I, I can't stand the bloke, <laughs> which is not strictly true. I always said that the Danny Rosa two years ago was head and shoulders the best left back in the league. It was an absolutely fantastic player, but then he got injured. And he got injured, showing that passion and real dynamism. Got injured at Sunderland, and was putting his body on the line for Tottenham. So it's not—it's not his fault that the injury came about. But since that injury, he is nowhere near the same player of two years ago. He might still be a decent player, I agree. but he is nowhere near the mm. Danny Rose of three years ago. Sadly, I wish he was. If he was, I'd have a shirt with his name on the back. But sadly, that's not happened. But over the past two or three years. 
he was alive on the radio talking about a move originally when, when Spurs went to Hong Kong, when Walker's move was being discussed. Yeah. He was on there. He famously said, you know, I know what my worth is. Well, when he said what his worth was, he hadn't kicked a ball for us for seven months. So I don't quite know what worth you were when you're not playing. And it's been non-stop from him with, with the... It's, it's like he sees a reporter and he can't now stop. And, and I remember saying at the time, shut up, get your form back, and then start talking about pay me what I'm worth. Make, get yourself back. That Danny Rose has never come back. And you're now in a situation, I think Danny Rose has got 12 months to go. Mm. Ask yourself, Spurs fans, if he is this fantastic left-back that so many think he is, why can we have not found a buyer in the last two summers for him? <laughs> two questions why? then. Jace, in a day of social media, everyone, they can say what they want and it's sound bites now for journalists. We've not even really got to do our work. We can see what they're posting on Instagram. We can make a story out of it. How much then does that annoy you as fans when he does say things like that and you think, Danny, you've got an injury. You're not even playing. This is really mm. sort of... Does it sort of create a divide between the player and the fans well, then? Do you well, know- the article that he wrote, I mean, it's, it's not just the article he wrote. If you think about it, in, in today's world where players should be media savvy he went to that newspaper and gave an article off his own back Mm -hmm. and that was a big part of it wasn't it it was three days before a ball was kicked in a new season when the media are looking for that first clubbing crisis and there we go we kick off the first day of the season spurs are plunged into crisis and you think and his, his own i think his own agent at the time or base soccer whoever it is even they said he did that totally off his own back. It's like, why? But, but even when all that happened, Jase, as soon as he came back into the squad, every Tottenham fan was singing his name. And ev- yeah. every Tottenham fan are so supportive yeah. of him and, 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 and they seem to have forgotten about what he's done. What mm. I would say about him as well is, some of what he said, I didn't have a problem with what he said, but you don't go to a national... You say it to Pochettino exactly. and Daniel Levy and you shut the office door and you leave it there. I think that's you don't go part. blabbing to the media of it, especially not the Sun newspaper where you know it's going to be but some, splashed all over the place. Some people thought that he would be booted out for that and it, and, it, and it all seems to just be swept under the carpet and... What can you do? Sack him because we can't sell him. And as I've said, it's now two summers, and apparently the prices is down to about 15 million. Where this wonderful left back that people have got in their mind, we can't find a buyer at 15 million. And he says, "Oh, I've got Paris and Juve. Don't be stupid. You phoned Juve and Paris, and they googled yourself, mate. I mean, <laughs> you know. And, and let's not forget when he says about googling players, who was Danny Rose when Spurs bought him? Where would you have found his name on Google? Because nobody would have known him. Lee, would you sell him? I, I, I want to see Sessegnon at the club. Um, I think Sessegnon is a fantastic young player, even though he had a bit of a shocking season um, last year. And I think with Poch wrapped around him, I think it'd be amazing. Um, and on that basis, and because Poch has already signed up, all the club signed up uh, Ben Davies for five years, clearly that's the cards. So we, we're not going to have three left-backs in the club. So on that basis, if we get Sessegnon in, I would sell Danny Rose. He's only got 12 months left as well, hasn't he? But that, that, that for me, so that, it's not about... Do you see Danny Rose signing a contract extension? Of course not. He's gone at the end of next no, year I anyway. A, I think it's a sad situation. So, yeah, that's, what, I, that's where I'm at. I think that, that for me is a brilliant word. That is a sad situation where, where a legend, could have been a legend at a club, that, first, that debut goal, I remember running into White Hart Lane that night. It was a midweek game against the Arsenal and he scored that ripper that no one will ever forget on his bloody debut. 
absolutely epic and goal. Against it's, not, it's not and just against that. Arsenal, uh, and it was like, you know, he's a legend. A few a few seasons ago, you've got Kyle Walker and Danny Rose. The amount of assists that them two got, the amount well, of goals were, that they, come from them. They were like, sorry to interrupt you, buddy, but they were like the Trent and Robertsons of today, yeah. of, of now. Well, that's fantastic. what we had. And, they, and we actually, if you think about it, think about fullbacks before Danny Rose and Kyle Walker. It, they they almost made the fullback position really fashionable. I mean, who would have bought fifty million pound fullback? I think Kyle Walker started that whole movement. For I sure, do agree, for sure, yeah. yeah. And then you got Mendy, right? Who went to uh, in the same season to, um, to Man City for also fifty million. Mm. Didn't they spend fifty million three times on three defenders that year? Two of them were fullbacks. I think you're right. Part of it is that the year that Walker went there and Rose was injured at the time. I think I actually think they'd have gone for Rose if he'd have been fit at the time but he was obviously out on a serious injury and I actually think Rose is a better player then than Walker was mm. and I think there is that little bit of Danny Rose that looks at Walker having won the trophies and now he's on his 150 sure. grand a well, week thinking that should have been me Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem with him I, I could have seen him going to Man United to be fair Danny I, Rose at that time I just want to quickly ask you then Chris you just said that Danny Rose he should have been on that tour really important his pre-season he yeah. needs to be out there with the boys yeah. before the season kicks off is there not an element that, you know, Danny Rose, he has been there 10 years. Chase, you said he's Tottenham's longest-serving player. Has he earned a little bit of, you know, go and have a few weeks, get your head sorted no. out? Go and, you, not, no, not no, no player should have that. Pre-season... Is, is that not good management from Pooch, though? It could be seen as good management. If he if he thinks Danny Rose is going to cause problems, then... No, an arm around the shoulder. If he knows that he doesn't get the move, we're going to need him next year. It's only a few weeks, you know. He, how, if, how many if, arms around the shoulder? Two years ago, last year, this year, yeah. do you keep doing it to somebody? It's tough, but I think uh, uh, can a player earn that? I think I think Pochettino a couple of weeks back or um, after Champions League final. Yeah, by the way, if if anyone's forgotten, we were in the Champions League final. You get me. Um, and uh, you know, after that, um, he came out and sort of said, you know, it's going to be a painful rebuilding job. And what he meant by painful is not necessarily because we're not going to have the funds and leave. He's not going to back me. What he meant was we're we're going to have to maybe get rid of some players that. That are fans' favourites, or that are you know that are affiliated with a club, that that that's going to be painful because we've got some real strong relationships with people that we might need to get rid of. And I think Danny Rose falls into that category. It's a painful rebuilding job because we want to move these types of players on. You not agree? Yeah. Well, well, no, no player is bigger than the club, and no no player can be sitting at home while the rest of the team are. You know, it's good bonding. It's uh, you know great togetherness, and you know you're preparing for the season. You're preparing for you know trying to win the Premier League and trying to you know get to the Champions League final again. You're not preparing by sitting at home, um, I, I, whatever he's doing. I, you know, I, is is he training at the moment? He's what? training. So I, I agree with all of that. But he's training. He's training at the moment with Wanyama. He's training at the moment with Davinson Sanchez. He's training at the moment with Ben Davies. All of which haven't gone on the tour for different reasons. And it could be a case of you know his fitness is. They felt that his fitness would be beneficial to stay at, at, back at the lodge rather than to go on a tour. Do you know what I mean? But because we're talking about the transfer thing, maybe we're going, oh yeah, he's been he's been frozen out or he's decided that he don't want to go. No, I don't think that is the case. Was, I think was, it's... Wasn't the comment made that certain players were left in London to sort out their futures? Well, maybe, but Davison Sanchez is an absolute... Um, he's, he's awesome, like absolute quality player and he's not been left at home to sort out his future. And nor has Ben Davies no, he either. Had the, he had the South American... No, sure, so the yeah. statutory free and things yeah. like that. I just think that some... Like, I'm not... I, I just think that sometimes, you know, we read into things that maybe aren't there. So, 
Well, we are talking about the tour. We're talking about the players who didn't go on the tour. But next up, we're going to be talking about the players who did in the feisty friendly against United earlier. Love sports. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Jace, Lee and Chris. And we've just been talking about today's pre-season friendly, although it wasn't very friendly, against Man United. Already off air. We've disagreed. <laughs> Let's get right into it then. Before we talk about the team, before we talk about the result and how the players were looking, I know Matt Sharpness, Chris, you just said pre-season is very important. Let's get to the big talking points. Let's start with Soko Stamp, which you said Completely wasn't malicious. accidental. Completely accidental. There yep. you have it. Uh, Chris, it is the first show, first time I've met you, but I'm going to have to completely disagree because it's hard to say sometimes. I don't know if you'll agree with me. Even though you say a player meant it, I'm not going to say that Sissoko's... I'm not going to sit here and say he's a nasty player. Yeah, he's that's, not, he's he's not, not like that at all. But sometimes, you know, you can mean a challenge, but that doesn't mean that's the type of player you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, but he's, he's grown into this fantastic midfielder and, um, you know, the, the tackling now. I, I, that's, what, that's what fans want to see. Mm. Fans want to see players going in. Um, you know, it's a pre- not injuring other players, though. No, 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 not not like that. I, I think it was completely accidental. And as I said to you a minute ago, I watched it on Man United TV and the commentary on there. Every time Tottenham, um, cha- you know, challenged any player, it was, oh my God, what's what's he doing? Mm. What's he doing? Um, but no, I think it was completely accidental. I don't think Suzuko's like that whatsoever. And uh, he was just, you know, making sure that he was there. Do you not agree, though? The second step back was. It was a strange one because he'd already trod on James and then he made that second step back, which was the stamp right on the chest. He knew James was at his feet. It was a strange move to make. He could have took a step forward. No, I don't agree. All right, I'm not going to get no love here, Lee. What do you think? (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes when you get in super slow-mo and all that sort of stuff, it does look worse than what it is. Exactly. Um, So, you know, when you you look at it live, it just feels like that he's gone in hard and he's tried to get out of there um, as quickly as possible. Whereas actually when you slow it down, it does look like he's... Well, he has put another step backwards, and you could determine that as a stamp. I've got my Spurs head on, so yeah, it's definitely no, not a stamp. Fair. It weren't a stamp, but you know. So again, you mentioned it before. So Sissoko isn't like that. He's just a he's just a com- competitive, a combative midfielder, and I, I, just, I don't think he meant it to be honest. But it is a strange one. What, what what's interesting though? Sorry, Chris. What's what's interesting is that that game today was real. It weren't a friendly. It had was so it? much needle. It had a bit of needle in I had it to for check sure. That the Premier League hadn't kicked off. What what is this little rivalry between <laughs> yeah. Spurs and Man United? At I mean, I know there was challenges flying in from both sides. Like mm. let's let's have it right. We have said that about Sissoko's challenge, but Pereira's challenge and all. Exactly. Then, that, that, then, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, but yeah. two wrongs don't make a right. No. There was a few flying in from Spurs yeah. as well, and then Harry. Kane, like we said, we love to see it. He really got involved and protected. Really but did. what was happening between these two teams today, Chris? Well, it was a, it was a, it was a great game. You know, th- there's lots of rivalry between these two clubs um, over the last few years. We've uh, we've we've beat them quite a few times, mm. which you know has been great, great results. Um, but Pochettino wants the best out of his players, even in, even in pre-season. And um, I'm so delighted to see that um, how he's used so many young players um, over these two games. You know, there's been a mixture of experience and, and youth in there and the youth players have done really really well well we talk we about the, the youth players Walker's Peters started we've been talking a little bit about win backs we know how Poch likes to use them just quickly on the fouls Poch did come out after the game and say you know I do want to make an official apology to United that's not at Spurs today it was feisty it was, it was aggressive <laughs> what did you make of him saying that well, I don't need to say that, to be honest. Look, that's the, that's the only thing polite. I'd say about, I know. That's the only thing about Poch. Like, can, you imagine, can you imagine like anyone else like coming out and saying that, like, like Fergie in his heyday? Exactly. Kind of, oh, I'd like to apologise to Tottenham Hotspur. It just wouldn't even 
been on his radar, I'd be like, yeah, it's a game. Get on, get on with it. So I, I think it's a bit, you know, he's just polite, isn't he? Like you say, he's just blame like, it on the but... heat, mate. It was about thirty eight <laughs> degrees. Did he even apologise after that Chelsea yeah. match? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that, that's proper. I think, he that one, <laughs> I think to a certain degree, like I don't, uh, I don't want to see people being stamped on all that sort of stuff, and I don't think it was a stamp no. today, so we clearly didn't see that. But um, I, I don't mind that bit of needle. I think that's what we, you know, we've been we enjoy years it as and years. As from Spurs' perspective, how many times have we had a soft underbelly? How many times people just want to roll us over and tickle a little belly and then go and score a couple of goals and beat us three, four nil? We've had that for years, certainly through the nineties. So, so you know, now we've got a bit of steel about us and we've got a bit of a aggression, and that that's Potch has brought that to the table for sure. We, yeah? we need more of that though, because since he's come, um, I don't think we've had enough. Yeah, but this last year, I think that we've really grown in in that manner. Yeah, I mean, Jay talks about it all the time, but you know about gamecraft and that sort of thing, and you know yeah. that is that is. Look, I'm not saying stamping on someone's gamecraft. What I'm saying is putting them in there, and knowing that you're there, and seeing what you can, you know, stretch the line. You know what I mean? Push the boundary. I think that's not. Well, there is such a, bad a thing. thing, isn't there? As gamesmanship, they say if we take it outside of Spurs, at a minute that England never fare well at national tournaments because we don't do the gamesmanship, the time wasting, the going down, winning fouls. It's part and parcel. Should we be integrating that more? That you know, the, the Premier League foreign influx of players. Should teams like Spurs, all teams, be doing this now? For sure, I think. Without wishing to mention them, I think there's no better club at it than Chelsea have been over the years, mm. and look what they've won. And John you know, Terry was the master of it, weren't he? From a corner, the yeah. Jobbers, the people like that, the the, the, the Mourinho mentality, if yeah. you like. And and whilst I don't want Tottenham to be. I'd, I'd hate Mourinho to manage Tottenham, but there are certain times in a game where you do have to buy fouls, and it is just playing with a little bit of common sense, how to take the pace out of a game, how to waste a few seconds here and there. And yet, like I say, Chelsea, that's why, as much as I dislike them, I have respect for what Chelsea have done in that way because they've been brilliant at it. Yeah, I, I, just to add to that as well, I'll give you another example about the whole game car thing, which is... Um, not last season, season before when we lost at home or was at Wembley, sorry, sorry Spurs fans, it wasn't at home, it was at Wembley, um, when we lost to Juventus in the, in the Champions League, um, uh, they quickly turned it around to, to beat us 2-1. Um, the, before the game, they had the president over, they were doing these mind games, a leg wheel being in fit, you know, because they know, they know how them little things work and bringing it, and it was just them little mind games. We learnt from that, and we did that in Amsterdam. So Levy's over there with, it and that's what Potch's thing. So I do think we are getting better at them sorts of things for for definite. And just coming back on that kind of aggression piece, all that time wasting, all that game craft stuff, we have to do that. Sport, you you play, you know, England just won the World Cup, right? And that's a Spurs show, but we won the World Cup in the cricket. Australia been doing them sorts of things forever, and that's why they win them them sorts of tournaments typically. And now when we're aggressive. When we go out and play on the front foot, for example, now we're winning. And that's what I'd like to see at England level, but also at Spurs as well. Even Pep sides have it. As for yeah, all they their do. fantastic yeah, football they, do, yeah. they play. All the winning sides have it. The, the Barcelona sides, they know how mm. to pressurise a referee without... I mean, Sergio Busquets can make God knows how many but fouls in a game. it's typically a British thing, is it? No, I know we're talking no. about Spurs, but it's not really what we do, no. is it? It's more European, Latin side. Yeah. We're not used to doing that. We've, we never, mm. we didn't do that as kids, did we, when we were playing football? But the whole game with, with the foreign influx has changed, hasn't it? That, that is now the game. And with VAR, I think you'll, there's probably teams sitting there saying, how, do, how are we going to sort this VAR where we can dive and still yeah. get away with it? Well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about VAR then. Now you've touched on it, because it is going to be introduced to the Premier League next year. Are you excited about this? Because a lot of people are very anti-VAR, but are you in favour of some of the changes that it's going to be making? 
<laughs> Who wants to go well, I'm first? really glad I brought that up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tumbleweed now, well, Charlie. Yeah, I'll say, before it came in, I was a massive advocate of it coming in and was delighted to see it come in. And I thought, right, this will now stop some of the diving, some of the cheating, some of the errors that go on. But, but actually, I think teams have, in that typical football way, have cottoned on so much that now they think any contact under slow motion is going to look like a penalty. So it's actually now encouraged them to do it even more. And and rather than solving so many of the controversies, it's now creating far money, isn't it? That's that's the problem. And you still have the subjective thing. We could You, you two have just been arguing about Sissoko's today. Mm. So if you're on the VAR, you're sending him off. And if Chrissy's on there, he's not sending him off. So you've still got that same problem looking at the camera. And it should be really just down to one person so you can't get that disagreement. It should be down to the ref. You see it in the VAR room. There's eight people. How long does it take to do the replays? They watch it 50 well, times back and forward. For someone like me who goes to every game home and mm. away, um, it is very, very frustrating when you are in the stadium as a fan at the game, you don't have a clue what's happening. You can't see the replays. No, they don't show any replays. They don't They don't tell you what's happening, nothing. It's just VAR is just on the screen and that's all you see. So you don't you don't know what's happening at all. So they, they do need to address that. Well, apparently VAR, I've just been told by the producer that they are showing replays in each Premier League stadium this season. So that will be different. Brilliant. So you'll have 10 minutes of footage there just to keep you occupied. That, but that, what will that be night. interesting with that, though, will be the crowd reaction to it. Because yes. if you see it live on the screen, Pressure and there's the 57,000 at, at Wyart Lane and yeah. it's going against you, say the Danny Rose handball penalty, yeah. and then how the players react to the referee afterwards when they've seen it. But I know when a decision goes against us, how much we want that game back, we want that decision back, and how much did it work in the World Cup? Because every game I was like, I can't wait till they challenge Harry, Cow, cause, uh, Harry Kane because we're going to get this penalty, yeah, yeah. and this is England, this is going to be sorted out. But then when you see like toenail offside, you know, the Women's World Cup and the offsides, yeah. that's not really, it ruins the spectacle, it ruins the sport, don't it? I don't, I don't it? know. I, I, with the toenail offside, Charlie, I think that's all right because the it's toenail offside. is offside, right? So, that, you know, no, for, for me, that is an offside. So I'm all right with that. I actually, I'm pro-VAR. And the reason why I'm pro-VAR is because it comes in uh, to, to iron out clear-cut decisions. The problem isn't necessarily the technology or the VAR. The problem is the rules around the technology in the VAR. Now, if you go into proper detail, and I know we haven't got time for it, but if you go into proper detail... It's the rule changes that the uh, footballing bodies have made around VAR that are the issue. It's not the actual technology itself. It needs to be brought in for clear-cut decisions. Offside, for me, is a clear-cut decision. With Actually, without VAR, it's not a clear-cut decision because that would have stood for example. But, he, but, the, yeah, but surely but, what happened to, you know, in favour of the striker, in favour of the attacker? That's that was not, just one little bit of weight. Charlie, that's, that's my debate. That is not VAR's problem. That's the rule that is the problem. Do you understand what I mean? The mm. rule is the issue, no, not the VAR. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like The Sissoko thing that you guys have just been debating about, that is the issue because it's still subjective. So if you've got one person making a decision, let's all batter the ref because he or she got it wrong. You've got eight people making a decision and now, now you're showing replays across the whole stadium. Now everybody can have a, an opinion. We love our game so much for that exact reason. Regardless if it's a camera or a referee in the middle, we will go down a pub after the show and we say, was that a goal or was that a penalty? Oh, that's the talking points. I don't want to take that out of football. But, yeah, but, we're allowed to have talking points, but we're not allowed to have a say. And really, I know us four sitting in the studio, we're all having our opinion. We don't want 57,000 fans in the stadium going, no, and boo, and then the ref feels a pressure. It should be down to one person and one person only. And, that, and that's why I like the VAR aspect where the referee takes control. 
he or she sees the screen. I like the screen bit. The bit that um, that I obviously really like was in the quarterfinal against Man City, the fina- uh, Lorente handball. He had, I can't remember the referee's name, so forgive me, but he had the... the kahu- yeah, the, he had the kahunas to go, no, 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 I, I, I'm not changing my decision. My decision is that's still a goal. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, regardless of how many fans, are, I mean, you talk about it, all the fans are, da, 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 no, that wasn't, but he didn't. And that's what I like about VAR. I think it's the rules that surround it. What we're doing as in the media, as journalists, or, you know, as fans, what we're doing is we're getting confused with the line. The line of the technology isn't the issue. It's the line of the rules. That's the problem. Well, VAR is great when it goes for you. Yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> exactly. But you know, that's why goal line technology works so well because it is—is is it a goal? Isn't it a goal? It's clear cut. But I felt watching the women's World Cup, as you said, Charlie, yeah. that um, you know, the instance there, I felt that they, it ruined that tournament. But I felt watching the man men's World Cup, it was brilliant. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like last season in the men in the in the men's World Cup, I thought it was fantastic. So it's it's difficult, isn't it? Again, it's still a game is of it, opinion. Also, is it that just thing where it's brilliant when it goes for you and it's terrible exactly. when it goes against you? Isn't that you? the is same that, as having a referee, though, that, 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 Charlie? That, that, that night at the Etihad, you know, best, best VAR. I, oh. I, I was a big fan of VAR, yeah. VAR that night. <laughs> For sure. Well, but, VAR is being introduced to the Premier League in the next season, but we're going to be talking about Spurs' hopes and achievements next year. Love Sports. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, Jace, Lee and Chris. And I do have to apologise because now we've I've started this VAR debate. We've gone back to the Champions League final. It's all kicked off. Was it a pen? Wasn't it a pen? But this is what Jace just said. I and mean, let's just touch on this before we do talk the new season. With the VAR, it's the clarity, isn't it? The clarity of the VAR, like you said, Lee, but clarity of the rules itself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'll never convince any of us that's a, that's a mm. penalty in no. that final. It's... It, Came on. First of all, it wasn't a clear handball to start for me. It's come off the the upper upper body like armpit, onto wasn't his it? Arm, it was like his armpit onto his. So I don't think any of the three of us would have give it. I had, but before somebody says I'm biased, the, the Danny Rose one in the quarter final against City, that's a handball. Well, because you can't get away with well, that. Well, Jace, if I can help you, I'm, I'm not a Spurs fan, so I can't be accused of being biased. And I, I missed it in, in real time. And then I showed the replay, like, oh, it's a penalty, it's a penalty. I, was like, I went, ooh, I'm not sure yeah. about that. I don't think so. But now, who, who do we listen to? Who do we go? Is it the officials? Is it the letter of the law? Is it the rule book? I mean, it's just made it very messy. And for football o- shouldn't be that, should for it? For over 120 years, we've listened to the man or woman in the middle, right? For, for, that is the reality mm. all we're doing now is using technology to supplement that man or woman in the middle that's, that's all we're doing that wouldn't have changed any de- de- you know there was a subjective is it handball or not that was subjective go to the rules does the rule say if your if the ball hits any part of your arm then it's a penalty regardless if it's up in the air or down tell me what the rule is first then i will tell you if it was handball or not that's the reality what happened about ball to hand no, that's, <laughs> that's gone. <laughs> but Charlie, that's the point. That's exactly the point I'm making, right? Yeah. If somebody says it has to be ball to hand, no chance in hell that was a penalty. Yeah. But if somebody says the rule is, no matter what happens, if it hits your arm anywhere, even if it's armpit-ish, then it's a penalty, isn't it? And it's, the strange thing is It's me, the rule, not VAR. It's the rule that you need to qualify. If he hadn't given it, then VAR wouldn't have given it. They wouldn't have overturned it if he hadn't given it either. I don't think they'd have said, oh, you've missed a genuine handball there. And I think if he'd have gone over on the screen, having not given it and seen it a bit like the the Turkish break in the quarterfinal, he'd have said, 
that's not a penalty for me. Play so, on. So they can notify him when he needs to go VAR if he's yeah. missed something. Why can't they notify him when they think, you know what, he's got that wrong? Let him go to VAR and see his mistake. I'd have liked him to have been hmm. told, perhaps you should look at it. But they apparently they never gave the call that he needs to even look at it. So I, I'm baffled by it. Still. It's dreadful for such a huge, huge game. They're Liverpool fans, weren't they? Come on. Everybody wanted Liverpool to win something last season and they had to win, you know, they had to do us and that. The they didn't win the Premier League, say, they had to win the Champions League. The one thing I'll say, I, und- I don't have a problem that he originally gave it because when you get one look from one angle at real speed, my first thought was, oh, we're in trouble here. But then when I saw the replay, now you've got VAR, I thought, nah, they won't give that. And then sat there stunned when it was given. Do you know, Jace? Actually, when I was in the stadium, as soon as I saw that ball, I thought it was a handball. Well, yeah, seeing, seeing as that's what I mean. I don't blame him for giving it in initially. Seeing as Chris is name dropping the fact that he was in the stadium, I'm also going to say, yeah, I saw it live in the stadium too. Do you get me? It was, it was a weird. Well, there's nothing to boast about. No, well, no. To, to be honest, that's actually what I was going to come and I say. You, because... Can't we talk transfers? No, I'm fed up with I, know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just about to say, Charlie. Outside before, before we come on air, all three of us said that we ain't watched the final back. Yeah, and um, we ain't really talked about it at all. I haven't even seen footage of Liverpool lifting the trophy because as soon as we lost, I was out of that stadium. I clapped my team off the pitch and whatever, but I didn't st- stick around to, to watch the trophy being lifted. So it's just—it was almost like it didn't happen. <laughs> well, you have you're seen. bringing up bad memories here, Charlie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologise. It is my defence. Look, I've brought it up. You haven't watched it, but again, from an outside perspective. All right, we lost the final. You've not watched it back. But there is no better time to be a Spurs fan. No, I, I, I do keep fair. saying this, no, no, no. but right. I do believe it also. I'm, do you know what I mean? Like I said, brand new stadium, first full year. You've just broken your transfer record, Simon. If we believe Ricky's tweets, you're going to go and break it again. Yeah. Then there's no better time, Chris. This, and we're not linked with some of the, you know, there's been a bit of bad recruitment well, from Spurs. If we Spurs. believe Ricky's tweets, we're spending a billion <laughs> on all these players. But I would argue there's been some bad recruitment at Spurs previously but now it seems everything's changed it's all on the go we're only on the up we are ahead of the Premier League new season how do we do that one better next year Chris how do we get there it is all about the summer Um, now only a few summers ago um, I I believe that Tottenham had the best squad in the Premier League Um, then Manchester City then went and spent an awful lot of money Um, them and Liverpool um, bypassed us and we need to spend the money. We need we need to invest. We really do. And what worries me um, highly is the fullback situation. It really does. And I don't believe that if we had Sessegnon and um, Ben Ben Davis, mm. I don't think that that's that, is, that is good enough. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I think for for me, looking at the moving forward with, with Spurs. This, the the year that we fell short, we got our record points total. Um, we fell short on the title, seven points behind Chelsea, and they won, and we came second. Man City came third. They were nine points behind us in the league, eight points sorry behind us in the league that year. The the second year, they spent their money, they bought the fullbacks, and they done all that thing, and they they absolutely done a massive swing from an eight point deficit of Tottenham to a twenty six point um, lead, for example. They did that. Okay, so just bear that in mind. The season after was the Liverpool season where they bought Virgil van Dijk and they bought um, Alisson in the close season so on and so forth. And they got to the Champions League final and they were behind Man City that season by about 27 or 28 points. In one season, in one transfer window when they spent some money, in one season they turned a 26, 27 point swing back up to a record points total which would have won the league at any other point 
other than the previous season. Yeah. Okay, what is the point I'm making here? The point I'm making here is that we've got the best stadium in the world. We've got the best training facilities in the world. We are smashing transfer records left, right, and centre. If you uh, 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 when the Celso comes in, so on and so forth. We've got one of the best managers in the world. We've got the best uh, uh, well-run club. We are. We've got unbelievable players. We've got world-class players in there. We've got World Cup winning captain in that squad as well and people that are sitting there on Twitter and saying, telling me that we can't we're miles away from Liverpool sort yourselves out they were miles away from Man City the season before what? and they had that swing and what I'm saying to you is that we can do it trophies. We, we can do it trophies well Liverpool didn't have a trophy we, we, s- we finished we finished above Liverpool nine times out of the last ten seasons think, think about and it, they Lee. didn't have a trophy think. they only got a trophy and who did they beat in the final <laughs> hold on, hold on. who did they beat in the final Just kick oh, it off think, think about hold it hold on right. going back to your original fullbacks would you take Victor Moses would you take Marcus Alonso? No. Those two fullbacks won the Premier League. Yeah. So, you know, you can get too caught up on fullbacks. Robert Hoof won you the Premier get, League. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we did. Danny I wouldn't Simpson take him either. <laughs> Danny Simpson and what? Christian Fuchs yeah. won the Premier League. Yeah. So, you can get too caught up. It's about getting the best 11, not the best two fullbacks. The best two fullbacks in the league last year. Would you take Nandy Robertson or would you take Zinchenko and Fabian Delph at left back? But only two of those won the Premier League. It's not necessarily about the first 11. It's also about depth, isn't it? Over the the Premier League. And that's what City have shown. You need those backups. Exactly. That's that's the point I was making. I've seen some ropey old fullbacks win the Premier League. So can can Spurs do it next year? Can they win the league? No. Not at the moment. No. So so arguably... We can genuinely be third, but I can't see us winning the league. But I can definitely see Tottenham winning a trophy. What always worries me is now Pochettino's been in charge for five seasons and you know every manager is judged on trophies. He still doesn't have a trophy and you know I'm a lover of the League Cup and the FA Cup and I know you know he's not interested in that he just wants the Champions League and the Premier League. He 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 said that if he had won the Champions League um on the 1st of June then he probably wouldn't be Spurs manager now. Um what a great way to have gone um to have won that 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 trophy but it does worry me the fact that um, you know it's his sixth season in charge coming up. Um, if we don't spend the money now and we don't win a trophy this year, then what in twelve months' time? Well, you've heard it there from Chris, Lee, and Jace. They don't think they can go for the title, but they know that they're very close to winning the title next year. I think we year. can. I think we See can. See us next week on Last Word on Spurs. This is Love Sport. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.